fake facts from the Geek Out Heroes. Real fake fact. Amber Heard has never told a lie. In 2011, theorizing that one could make an entertaining podcast, the Geek Out Heroes stepped into the Quantum Leap Accelerator and vanished. When they woke, they found themselves trapped in your present, facing political correctness and social justice warriors who were determined to kill humor and joy. Now the GOH are driven by an unknown force to laugh in the face of stupidity and make jokes anyway. Their only guide on this journey is Steve, a listener from their own time, who seems to be just as deranged as they are. And so the Geek Out heroes find themselves leaping from topic to topic, trying to set right what once went wrong, and hoping each time their next cast will be better than the last. Welcome to the Geek Out Heroes. This is Vargo. This is Josiah. Miles. Anderson. And listeners, if uh, you haven't been keeping track of what's been going on with Amber Heard and Johnny Depp, I totally understand because uh, I never thought I would I would actually watch something like that. But the only reason why I am have been keeping up with some of it is because it's kind of important when noticing how society has turned so much against uh, men in general on the fact that liars used society's own stigma against men to get away with whatever the fuck they wanted to. And seeing that happen with Amber Heard and Johnny Depp kind of proves just how far that went to the fact that she had, she, she didn't care that she was telling all these lies because she didn't think anybody would catch her in it. She didn't think anyone would do any kind of research to find out, Oh, she, her story changes about a dozen fucking times. And she talks about how other people were there that have never experienced any of these events she talks about. And, and she didn't think anyone would call her on it. Well, Johnny Depp said, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to take this laying down and decided to take her to court because it cost him his job because she wanted to lie and and seem like she was important. Like she was the victim. Yeah. It caused him to lose two high profile roles. Yep. Yeah. One of which was a franchise that he helped start. So, uh, and the other one was a potential franchise that he could have kept going for at least two more films. It's kind of an important thing of, of people noticing like, yeah, it's there. There shouldn't be the stigma of like all women should be believed. There shouldn't be a stigma of all men should be believed. It should just be the truth should be believed fact. Mm. And that's it. It's not a he said, she said deal when you have absolute evidence that she was the abuser. Definitely hurts the Me Too movement. Oh, yeah, definitely. I saw some of uh, some of the trial and they had some, I don't know, like uh, domestic violence specialist or professional or some shit. Um, on the stand and she was just constantly uh, playing the oh, all women, all women are victims card. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and only women should be believed. And the defense would even stop and ask her while they were questioning her, like, can can men be victims of violence, too? And she would go, yeah, of course. And then she'd go right back to calling uh, only men the uh, the uh, perpetrators again. Yeah, the aggressors. Like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. <clears throat> I was like, 
<laughs> you fucking two-faced. Yeah. Not to put any of uh, any of our friends' laundry out there, but we, you know, I have a personal friend who dealt with domestic abuse issues uh, from his spouse, and when he tried to stop it simply by restraining her, the police showed up, and she pressed charges against him, and she was believed over him. She was the one that started a fight, started literally trying to beat the shit out of him. He restrained her to stop it, and yet he was the one that was blamed. Even though the, even though the police believed him based off of the marks on him, that there were defensive wounds. He was essentially told by his own representing counsel that he should just give into the charges because no one will believe And I'm telling you this listeners, no one will believe a man. That's what he was told. Right. Considering the fact that I've known someone that's been personally involved in something like this. And I can tell you guys who it is later. Um, you all know him and no, it's not Loach. It's not someone on the podcast listeners. Uh, it's just someone we all know. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things of, yeah, it, it happens. Uh, in fact, statistically, according to information maintained by our government and maintained by states, uh, statistically, women are the aggressors more often than men. Hey, listeners, for anybody out there who's just wondering where I got this information, it's coming from the acf.hhs.gov. Uh, it is from a study that was conducted from 2016 through 2020. 248,335 were female perpetrators, whereas 225,020 were male perpetrators when it came to domestic abuse. So that's where that information comes from in case there's any of you out there listening and going, oh, he's just pulling that out of his ass. No, it's real. Turns out that women usually are, are the ones that are abusing their spouse. They just get reported less. They get reported less and men are seen, like a lot of men don't report it because we're seen as weak if we do. Yeah. Oh, you can't, you can't handle a girl beating on you. Well, who, who the fuck can handle someone beating on them all the time when you're not, when you're basically by society standards, not allowed to defend yourself against that. I think it just adds to our culture's double standards. Oh yeah. We absolutely have a double standard. Yeah. We have a yeah, lot. It's been that way for, I mean, it's nothing new, but you know, in, in these days where everybody pushes, Oh, equality, 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 there's never any actual equality. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Abin preach actually talked about this recently and they were showing a video that had a uh, female captain who was in the army who was having to do a physical test in order to get a certain certification. And there was a fluff piece that was done and how it was like, oh, it was, you know, everybody was cheering and they, there was this big deal about it. Never mind the fact that she was doing this with other men and the men passed the, the, the men who passed it weren't cheered for. Like there was just the only cheers were for her, but the other men who passed it, no one stood up and went, yeah. And it's this weird double standard of they're just doing their job. Why are you guys cheering so much for them? And it's because it's seen as oh, it's a, it's a you know really hard hurdle for her to for her to pass. And I'm not saying people shouldn't be cheered on for their accomplishments, but you didn't see the same thing happening for the men who were doing it. The the men weren't getting fluff pieces written about how they had done it. Why? Because other men had done it before them. Well, she wasn't the first woman, so why was it such a big deal? Society has this weird stigma of praising the perceived underprivileged. And then turning around and looking at those who they see as privileged and saying, what do you want? This is expected of you. And then they're really shocked when the underprivileged turn around and abuse the system and try to use it for their advantage. And that's exactly what Amber Heard did. She saw what everybody else was doing with the, the Me Too movement. And listeners, we're not pointing out that the Me Too movement was a fraud. What we're saying is that there were a lot of legitimate cases within that movement. I mean, you had Bill Cosby had what happened with Harvey Weinstein. There were legitimate people who have been hurt 
But then you have somebody like her see that and go, well, I can be abused too. I can act like this. I can act like I was abused. So I'm going to use this to my advantage to further my career, to further my stance in the public society. Yeah, it's a very prominent and key case uh, showing, you know, the, the bullshit that a lot of men have to go through. And that's that's why it's interesting, ultimately. Because it's actually getting the coverage that, you know, that kind of shit deserves. Yeah. And listeners, we're, we're not trying to sit there and say, oh, woe is me, we're men, or anything like that. We're just trying to point out that there is absolutely a clear difference between how one is treated over the other. And it's, we're, we're, we're saying if we're going to continue this, this whole equal rights movement that we've been on for hundreds of years for all of humanity, if we're going to continue on that, then it should be treated as equally. It's, it shouldn't be treated as, oh, well, you're a man, you can handle it. It shouldn't be expected of anybody. Yeah. If anything, this should be, you know, these, these should show examples of like just how much California is just a shit state, in my opinion. Right. Between that, Alcatraz being the safest place in San Francisco. And then there's the fact that Dave Chappelle was recently attacked on stage for no fucking reason. And this guy had premeditated the attack. He had decided that he was going to do this ahead of time and said he was going to try and tackle Dave Chappelle on stage. Um, I guess uh, I guess Chris Rock was in the crowd as well and got up on stage after it happened and said, was that Will Smith? And then got back down off the stage. Fucking classic. If that's actually like I've heard the recording, if that was actually Chris Rock, fucking amazing. Confirmed listeners. It was way, way to go. <laughs> that's that's awesome. Way, way to way to have a good reaction to that. But uh, even Chappelle popped up, you know, as, as soon as you know, it got dispersed, he's like, that was a trans man. <laughs> <laughs> and at the time, not knowing the guy's full motivations for what was going on. And I'm not going to talk about the full motivations because it's beside the point. He jumped up on stage and tried to attack another human being who was simply on stage trying to tell jokes, just trying to do his job on stage. He wasn't oppressing anyone. He wasn't taking anyone's freedoms away. He was just on stage telling jokes. I didn't uh, I didn't read too much into it, but I saw a, a report that supposedly he was also armed with a, a knife and a pistol. Yeah. Uh, like, so that could have gone way fucking worse. Yeah. Apparently uh, that, that was also a thing. And uh, yeah, you have no, we have no idea how that could have played out if security hadn't gotten in so quickly. Uh, thankfully they did again. You know, here's, here's, here's the reason why I brought it up saying, you know, California's trash. Uh, so after this happened, you would expect, you know, charges to be, to be filed. It was, it was on stage. It was in front of hundreds of people. And, uh, the DA of Los Angeles refuses to file charges regardless of Chappelle's own wishes. It was a refusal to uh, uh, press uh, fe- uh, felony charges, which, I mean, is clearly a fucking felony in my fucking opinion. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, but, it's, it's battery, uh, plus he was yeah. also armed on top of that. So the guy will serve no jail time whatsoever. You, even if he was, it was going to, they'd just bail him the fuck out immediately. Because that's more than what likely, happens with this uh, kind of high profile fucking stories anymore. Somebody does some shit like this and they immediately get bailed out. Yeah. And the, and the crazy thing about that is that we're now, now we're now, we're no longer encroaching on the, this person's famous. So of course they won't pay for any of the thing they, things they do. It's now, well, this person just did something to a famous person and they're not going to pay for anything they do. Why? Because it's California listeners. I have to say Joe Rogan is absolutely right. When he talks about this, all this does is shows Californians that they should have no faith in their legal system. No, 
I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure California already doesn't have any faith in their legal system, given the shit that they've done recently. Uh, I even I have a personal connection to that shit, too, because like uh, my my aunt was fucking ran the fuck over by a, a driver that was high out of her fucking mind in California, killed her, you know, and no charges, you know, just walks away. Like you got to be fucking and she it was a hit and run. Yeah. And, you know, at the very least manslaughter. Yeah. Vehicular, vehicular manslaughter. homicide. So it's like, what the fuck? But um, yeah, California is dumb as shit. Yeah. That there's a reason. Sorry, listeners, there's a reason why I say it's a, <laughs> uh, if, if we have any listeners in California, there's a reason why I say your state is a failed state. And I can say that listeners, I lived in California and I know what California was like. Even as a child, I remember what California was like. And I remember a lot of the, the ridiculous. I mean, the fact that I had to go through secure a security check, which was just a metal detector at my elementary school. In elementary school, we had a metal detector. It sat in the, the, what it posed as support beams for our walkway so that the kids wouldn't question it. But I remember it because I remember it going off one day when a kid brought a gun to school to give to his brother who was going to the junior high that was next to us because he was going to try and slip it through the fence. That's, that's California. That was California in the, in the fucking 80s. So you think California is any better now or is it worse? It's absolutely worse. It's why I say it's a failed fucking state. Mm-hmm. A social dumpster fire, as I would call it. Speaking of fires, <laughs> Dr. Strange, and in reality, listeners, like, I just want to point out, I just like that segue. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Strange uh, in the Multiverse of Madness guy, or came out and it's getting kind of mixed reviews. And when I say mixed reviews, it's, I'm not saying, you know, it's, it's sitting at like, 50% or 60%. It's it currently on uh, Rotten Tomatoes. For critics, it's like 76%. For uh, viewers, I think it's at 88 at the time of our recording. And uh, the reason why I say that's mixed reviews is because it's, I think it's one of the, the few times in the MCU that we've seen a movie come out that was for a prolific character that's already had their own film, much like uh, Iron Man and the differences between how the scores were seen for Iron Man 3. And, you know, when you saw the audience score versus the, the critic score, only in this case, it's for the sequel to Doctor Strange, which should have come out a while back, in my opinion, uh, but took way too long to get there because Disney had other priorities, apparently. And uh, what we end up with is a movie that's getting, you know, what I what I would consider for the MCU mixed reviews, because even though it's over, even though it's overall positive it's not as po- overwhelmingly positive as we've gotten for other films. For most of the films in the MCU, most of the films have this overwhelmingly positive view on them all the way up to Endgame. Don't get me wrong. There are, there are a couple out there that are outliers. Iron Man 3 is one of them. Uh, Captain, uh, Captain Marvel is another one. Uh, there's, a, there's a couple in there that were, people were just like, eh, it was just okay. This is kind of in that same territory, but it's for a main character that people were really looking forward to having a sequel to kind of like Iron Man three, where it's just like, Oh, that one's a miss. Uh, I don't know. I don't think it's quite that bad, but <laughs> cause Iron Man three was, was met with a lot of ire from fans. <laughs> but, oh, uh, it's fucking terrible. Well, I'm pretty sure we'll give a review. Nice cast. So I'm going to go see it today. Are you? Okay. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to go see it after hearing. So uh, our good friend Jay went and saw it listeners and, uh, Jay's been on the co- podcast a couple times, but uh, 
he went and saw it. He said it was it was just okay. He he said he could have could have not seen it in theaters and he would have been fine. Uh, now I will point out the fact that Jay, out of anyone else in the group, the like our group of friends, he's probably the most skeptical of the MCU when it comes to things because he didn't get the Hulk that he wanted. That's understandable. Which is understandable. I mean, he wanted them. He wanted the Marvel Comics uh, Hulk, the the overpowered Hulk. And uh, that's, in my opinion, that's kind of the Hulk we should have gotten to begin with, because that would have having that Hulk would have. Yeah, having that Hulk would have set the bar for a lot of other uh, villains and heroes for alike. Uh, And it would have really shown off, in my opinion, even more so how strong Thor is, because because Thor can kind of hold his own with the Hulk. It's not as powerful, but still can hold his own. Well, in the comics, Thor and Hulk, when usually when they fight, it usually ends up in a draw. But that's what I mean. Is like he can hold his own, and then you have Thanos, and that really would have set the bar of like just how powerful Thanos is. If you had seen the Hulk lose to Thanos, and the Hulk being this ludicrously just insanely powerful creature, even more so than what we got in the MCU, and that's really what Jesse wanted. Jesse wanted the the comic book Hulk, and that's not what he got. He wanted World no, War Hulk. Didn't. He wanted he wanted Planet Hulk Hulk. And we never really got that. So totally understandable why he has this kind of, well, it could be good, could be bad mentality when it comes to the MCU. So he went in having no expectations for Doctor Strange and said that it was just okay. Oh. After hearing that, I was like, yeah, well, you know, I get that he he probably might he he disagrees with me in a lot of movies. <laughs> but I was like, ah, you know, that's probably one I can actually just wait for. On top of that, I've seen other reviews from other uh, YouTubers that I follow and stuff, and they say, yeah, it's 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 good, like entertaining, but it's not a great story when it comes to it. So it's got this confliction of like bad storytelling with awesome action and 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 stuff that's you know clearly influenced by Sam Raimi. I think I'm going to actually uh, hold off on it, but this kind of further exacerbates the. The way that Marvel has no story roadmap, really, which was made even more evident when I guess one of the uh, Russo brothers came forward and said that for the past 11 years, they haven't they haven't had a actual roadmap as to what every story was going to have. So people are like, oh, shit. Like, so it turns out the MCU not as planned as everybody thought it was. Uh, Turns out it's it's actually not as planned. It's it's more planned out than the D than I guess the D.C universe was because the dc like dc universe was kind of playing it by ear at the beginning with uh superman they didn't have a plan beyond that whereas in the mcu at least they had this whole thing like okay we want to start bringing up the infinity stones their first like their first thing was like we want to start getting the avengers together so that was that was kind of like this is the end game we want to get to here so we'll make movies just fun movies we don't know what the story is going to be but the in the end we have to get to here that's that's kind of the idea. It's kind of like uh, if you look at Star Wars, the Star Wars, the new Star Wars trilogy of J.J. Abrams didn't have a full plan for each movie, but he did have an end goal of this is where we're getting to. Of this is what it, this is where I want the story to go. And Ryan Johnson, on the other hand, just said, "Fuck that shit! I'm doing whatever the fuck I want," uh, which ruined everything in reality. Uh, not saying Disney Disney's trilogy would have been perfect without that guy, but I'm just saying it probably would have been a little bit better. Had he never been involved. Uh, but with the MCU, it turns out that the MCU has had no real story roadmaps of like what each film was going to be about. But they did have an end game. They had a, we need to get to here. We need to get to Avengers. We need to get to the Infinity Stones. We need to get to the Infinity, to the Infinity Gauntlet, the Infinity War. That was the, 
the end game. So for, for a decade, you had this pushing narrative in the end to try and get to one point, which was end game, which is what we got. And then after that, they had nothing because they have no, because now the MCU is in this weird hodgepodge of like, we don't have, we don't want to create a new villain or have a new villain come in that we're going to have to make the Avengers assemble again because they didn't want to do the, the assemble thing. So instead they have these other weird connecting moments of like, this is going to be the next film, or this is at some point going to be important in another film, which is why everything feels disconnected and disjointed from one film to the next. Nothing really feels like it's connecting anything. The only thing that I feel like actually is connected to anything is Spider-Man to Dr. Strange and Dr. Strange with maybe the multiverse that's in Loki. But according to what I've heard, Dr. Strange is being blamed for the entirety of the multiverse now. Never mind the fact that it was actually Loki, so it's according to Disney+. Plus. So they just pretend like Loki doesn't exist? Yeah. Yeah, are they just retconning that? Uh, it appears so. Uh, and the only other thing that connects to Doctor Strange is WandaVision. And that's because she's in the film. And based off of the other things that I've heard is Doctor Strange kind of takes a back seat in this one for a lot of it. He's not the main character in a Doctor Strange film. Movie. Yeah. Uh, it's mostly Wanda and uh, America. America Chavez. Chavez, yeah. America Chavez, which... Nobody really wanted in this film to begin with. Uh, I mean, she doesn't really have a huge fan following. She doesn't really have a big fan following. And every time they've tried to introduce her into the Marvel comic books, her character's never taken off. Typically, Uh, she's usually like a a teammate, not a main character. That's that's kind of where the MCU is. is, I mean, for a decade, they had this, this one major thing that they wanted to lead up to. And they had that driving the films. And then now going into, or, you know, they're in phase, what, phase four, and they don't really have that and there's nothing pushing it. So every film just kind of feels like it's just there. Like why the Eternals feels completely fucking pointless when you watch it. Uh, fucking every, every Marvel movie outside of Spider-Man and Dr. Strange feels completely like, well, you don't, you didn't need to tell me this story. I don't really care. Moon Knight. A lot of people are just still, still trying to figure out why the fuck that even exists. Uh, it's such a weird one to pick because it, it's not going to tie into anything. And <clears throat> if they're not going to do anything with Moon Knight, Blade, and and the rest of those guys, then why did you bring this up? And and the fact that they PG thirteened Moon Knight tells you where Blade's going to go. So I, I I see no point in Marvel even trying to do that. Uh, I think you're I, right. Without having a villain or event to focus on. That's what's ruining the new movies. Yeah. And on top of that, you just, we recently just had our news that the fantastic four director, uh, has quit dropped. Yeah. He dropped out and he said, he didn't want to do this. Uh, listeners, for those of you who don't know, is the same director who had directed all three of the Spider-Man films from Sony, the home series. He had done all of those and decided I, that he wanted to take a break from making superhero films can totally understand that. But here's the thing. He had already accepted the job a while back and it's taken a, a year for him to decide, I don't really want to do this anymore. I think everybody should just understand that the fantastic four is just a cursed series and they should quit trying. Uh, yeah, I think Marvel's first family is never going to see a really good debut. And I, and I don't see that film being very good, even in the MCU, just because the MCU doesn't meet any, doesn't immediately make it good anymore. Listeners. I'm sorry. Uh, 
And Which is funny, because I, I was thinking about that. I was like, you know, Galactus would be a phenomenal villain to be the next one up on the board. Absolutely. And it seems like with the ending of the Eternals that that would be the direction that they're heading. But there's nothing really to connect that, <laughs> even at the end of it. Were you going to say, just say it looked like you were going to say? Oh, I was just going to say, I feel like a lot of the other movies could have been better had they managed to pull off a good Fantastic Four. Like, yeah. because, you know, Ultron had a lot to do with uh, Reed Richards and, you know, there, there was a lot of things that, you know, the Fantastic Four were oh, yeah. involved the, in. The, in, the interconnection between what the, the comic books have comparatively to even the MCU is astronomically more uh, because there are repercussions for everything in, in the comic books. Yeah. Well, and, it, and it goes across multiple series. And part of that has to do with like, I mean, listeners keep in mind, part of that has to do with the fact that they want to sell multiple different comic books so they make sure that these huge storylines collide with every single major comic book they have to sell more issues so when you had when you had ultron you had it inner you know had it you know colliding with uh fantastic four spider-man iron man uh even thor you had it colliding with uh ant-man specifically ant-man was a huge one uh, this was the i mean the ultron storylines may brought together the Marvel universe, much like the infinity gauntlet brought together the Marvel universe. So now that they've, they sort of wasted Ultron on a single film for the Avengers and then wasted him again in the multiverse. Uh, what if series, it kind of creates this thing of like, okay, well now what in, and without setting up a new villain like Galactus, which would, absolutely bring in the fantastic four it would bring in the fantastic four silver surfer uh like i could go on all day (laughs) on how many villains it would on how many heroes it would take to defeat galactus uh you would have you would have this whole like coming together a whole new team exactly you would have a whole new coming together this is our end goal we're going to get to galactus we're going to have this coming together but so far they're kind of grasping for straws with the multiverse with uh, you know, maybe Galactus shows up with, you know, other things like here, there, there, like it's, it's, it's too many fingers and too many pies, like we've said before. So because of that, I think Marvel's starting to finally get this. Uh, they're going the way of DC. This, yeah, they're, they're trying to, they're starting to go, go this direction of where they're going with DC. And this brings me to, uh, you know, the love and thunder trailer of not knowing where to go with a character. And Thor, as much as I love Taika, and I think Taika Waititi is going to do a, a great job regardless because he's easily become one of my favorite directors recently. Absolutely. Yeah, his sense of humor, his directing capability for a, fran- or for a film uh, of any kind shows off just kind of the talent he has. Oh, if, no, he's great. Yeah. If you ever want to question that, go and watch Jojo, uh, Jojo the Rabbit. If you don't want to watch that, yeah, I think he has one of the best horror comedy TV shows out there, which is uh, what we do in Shadows. Yeah, the the movie that actually preceded the show is easily still on that level as well. Um, I I just watched it again uh, two nights ago. It's classic. Yeah, he shows that he has a great talent of doing a lot with even just a little, right? So I think with Thor, he's going to do just as great of a job as he did with with Ragnarok. Ragnarok's not my favorite Thor in the series, but it is definitely, I think it's better than the first film. Uh, it's not as I, I still love the second film just because of how dark it was uh, as a as a film 
going from that first film to the to the second one. But it was so Star Warsy. I like that about it too. Right. <laughs> yeah. And Taika took over Ragnarok and he brought this sense of humor to it. He brought this great fun. This is a fantasy adventure. And this is where we're going on a ride. We're going to have a good time. And I think he's going to do the same thing with Love and Just on a random on a random tangent, they are yeah. wasting a chance to make a good kid show after releasing Loki where we can finally have uh, alligator Loki and frog Thor have their own cartoon. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think that's, I think that's a good call. That is a wasted uh, opportunity. But, uh, you know, the, the love and thunder trailer has been, it's, you know, it's not getting ratioed to hell. And I, you know, I get that people are excited. People are excited to see what's going to be, what looks like a fun romp. It does look like a fun romp. It looks like it's going to be just a good time, just a feel good film. But it's, it's, in my opinion, a direct example of what you don't know what to do with this character when you turn around and say, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to do a Thor in midlife crisis mode where he's trying to get back into shape and figure out who he is again. And in the meantime, because he's left, now Jane has Mjolnir and she's become like Thor, but they're going to give her, I guarantee they're going to give her the Thor moniker. Well, but, it's even then they're not even following the comic book concept of it because at this time, if you read the comics, Thor has decided to be the Allfather, but instead he's kind of yeah. having a midlife crisis instead. And the comics explains why he can't be uh, Thor because he's being the Allfather. No, that you're actually getting that confused. Um, that's a different storyline that you're thinking of. No, the one with uh, Jane has to do with the fact of uh, I, it, before she ends up getting Mjolnir, actually Thor ends up in kind of a similar situation of being in a midlife crisis, but it's not, it's not treated the same way at all. Uh, he just ends up in an area where he, or a situation where he can't pick up Mjolnir anymore because he no longer sees himself as worthy because for some reason he, and I can't remember what it is that's, that happens, but for some reason he questions everything about himself at this point. So Mjolnir ends up unable to be used by him, but starts calling out to Jane because Jane is worthy. It came across as ridiculous. So, listeners, the the story in the comics was Jane was uh, a cancer patient and she was dying, and she ends up picking up Mjolnir and it sustains her life. It doesn't cure her for some reason, but it makes her yeah. It that happens later, but anyways, it, like it's it's one of those things like it just sustains her life and makes her live longer and gives her. Thor's abilities, but because she has Thor's abilities, suddenly she's now called Thor. Sorry, listeners. She was called mighty Thor. Cause you know, that's different that that's somehow not tokenizing a character at all. So wait a minute. It, it doesn't cure her cancer. It just keeps her alive. Yeah. So they stole that. To, from. To, I should say to start with. Yeah. So they stole that from uh, ultimate Iron Man. Yes. So they're, they're stealing bad storylines from themselves again. Yes. Now, here's the thing that I don't understand. The cancer story is still going to be in this movie, supposedly. I, I guess they're going to try and do something similar with this because of Thor's midlife crisis kind of deal. So that, that's, that sort of coincides. And she's going to have Milner to help stop the cancer and, and stave off what's been happening. And, of course, having the powers of Thor are going to eradicate the chemotherapy because, you know, radiation is not good for you and it's going to heal her of that. But it's not going to heal her of the cancer, which still doesn't make sense. That didn't make sense in the comic books either. If it gets rid of the chemo or if it gets rid of the chemotherapy, it should get rid of the cancer, right? But anyways, regardless of that, I mean, it's a dumb story and I don't see how anybody liked it, but that's just personal. Uh, but the problem that I have is that if you remember from Thor Ragnarok, uh, Milner was destroyed. 
So how does Jane get a hold of Mjolnir? I mean, does it come back together? Like they've shown it in her hand and it's kind of cracked and you can see the power kind of seeping out of the cracks with it when she holds it. But it, I don't, I mean, it's magic, I guess. I mean, anything's possible in a comic book. It just doesn't make any sense that she would be able to do that. And Thor couldn't ever get it back. Uh, especially after he went through that whole freaking thing in Ragnarok of figuring out who he was like, that should have made him worthy right away The you know, you do, you never needed millionaire in the first place yet. His lightning powers have never shown back up again. That's fucking annoying as shit. There's a lot of stuff that they just don't care about. They, 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 they just kind of ignore that. Oh, we did this, but we're just going to ignore it for story reasons later on. I'm hoping they explain that because it doesn't make any sense that millionaire was destroyed and now it's suddenly back and Jane somehow has it. But, uh, you know, we, we still like there, there are certain things within, there are certain things within Thor. I would have, I would rather them focused on beta Ray bill being one of them. I would have rather them bring back, uh, I would have done the champion of Thor's. I would let her have been Thor and done the champion of Thor's. That was a fun storyline. Okay. We we still don't really know what happened to lady Sif. They just kind of dropped her off and said, fuck it. We're not going to replace her with Valkyrie in the movies. Yeah. Which is, don't get me wrong. I like Valkyrie in Ragnarok. Um, don't look forward to what they're what they're turning her into in the next film, but uh, I really wanted to see Lady Sif come back. I thought she was I thought she was a she's a better she's a better character worth exploring, and they just said screw it, we're not going to use her again. Here's the thing: like Disney's in a weird position because after seeing fans kind of falter on the MCU shows because the shows have kind of dropped off, they dropped off in viewership. Uh, Disney Plus subscriptions are now stagnating. Uh, it seems like the MCU is kind of like finally feeling the effects of what happens when you become so focused on agenda that you stop doing storytelling and it'll, you know, listeners, I could be wrong. Dr. Strange could sell like gangbusters and I'm sure it probably will because people want to see the next Dr. Strange, but it, that's how it kind of feels like when, when you see these other things come out and because of agenda, they fall. But then you see Spider-Man comes out, has no agenda behind it, really, other than just, I want to tell the Finney, I want to continue telling this story. I want to have a good time and we want to show you a good time. And it was, it was a blast. It was a great film. I loved it. Yeah, at this point with the MCU, I only want to follow Spider-Man, basically. You know, it, it, Sp- yeah, Spider-Man, it might have you know, had some woke stuff in there and it definitely has had that in the series, but it's never felt like it's trying to shove it down my fucking throat. Yeah, it felt more like, hey, this is here if this matters to you. But if not, here's uh, more Spider-Man story. Yeah, here's a little virtue signal. We're moving on. Yeah. Okay, cool. It's not like a lot of other series where that's the focal point. Absolutely. It happens to be a superhero story on the side. Yeah. And that's how that's how a lot of the other stuff feels like. That's what that's what the the Marvels feels like it's going to be with uh, Miss Marvel and Uh. all the other all the other Marvel Marvel characters coming in. But here's the thing, listeners. I could also be wrong. Uh, I mean, the shows could have faltered just because of the fact that they were shows and the fact that they were only available on the streaming service. And people just don't want to go to the streaming service just to get the extra story that's not show, or at least it doesn't seem like it's pertinent at all to know what's going on in the MCU in in the films. So you could just miss all of that stuff and just go on to the films. Uh, with maybe the exception of WandaVision and knowing what happened there. But there's also the fact that, I mean, you can't own those shows right now. You can't own uh, WandaVision separately from, from at least not that I know of, from Disney+. Plus. So may, maybe that's just that's what's happening is people just don't want to have to pay the extra stuff in order to get that stuff. 
that's that's kind of where things are. But you know, speaking of uh, being more concerned or being more concerned with agendas, uh, Disney decided to take it upon themselves uh, to take a stand against the uh, the Florida uh, Parental Rights Act. Because of that, well, they're now feeling a lot of the consequences of of deciding to step into their step their company into the foot of the political arena, and listeners, for the most part, we're we're all kind of in the same boat. I think of like companies really should really should just stay stay out of politics. I mean, politics is where you know the voters belong. Uh, you're a company. Your money doesn't belong in our politics. Your money doesn't belong going into the hands of politicians. Your money doesn't belong anywhere other than pay your fucking taxes and leave us the fuck alone. And it's not, you know, it wasn't taking a stand like everybody says of like, oh, it was taking a stand against, you know, human right or for human rights and all that stuff. We didn't hear them say dick when any censorship was going on for freedom of speech. So why the fuck should they start standing making a stand now? And they didn't bat a fucking eye doing Mulan while, uh, you know, China fucking still to this day imprisons Uyghurs. Yeah. While China commits genocide, they don't say anything. They, in fact, they, they are, they are more than glad to applaud and give thanks to the very people who were imprisoning the Uyghurs and saying thank you to the guards that were there. And thank you to the military that was present and how helpful they were and how great the CCP is. Like, listeners, this is literally what Disney does. They, they thank a country that is killing people because the government in that country doesn't agree with, the, with that person's politics or that person's beliefs. That's it. Because of that, the CCP has decided that, oh, well, we're just going to get rid of you these know, people. That, that Rick quote. Your booze mean nothing to me. I see see what what you cheer cheer for. for. Exactly. So Disney has taken the largest financial hit in years. Uh, They've reportedly taken a $63 billion loss from lower uh, park attendance, uh, subscribers dropping from Disney Plus, and billions in in subsidies usually afforded to them by the state. Um, And I might be using the word subsidies incorrectly when it comes to this. Since uh, really it's a uh, status that they are no longer qualified for, the status that they had was revoked by the state. But that's why I use the word subsidies, just because uh, they're now having to basically spend money instead of the instead of gaining that money back. They're they're now having to to give it. All of this is coming, you know. Obviously, all of this is coming after uh, the Parental Rights Act uh, that they tried to stand up against in Florida, and it's because. After deciding that the company needed to take a, you know, after they decided that the company needed to take a stand, Florida decided, okay, well, then we need to re-review the agreements that we've had with your company since it's since it originally came to Florida to build a park. So this is a policy that has been around since Walt Disney. Some some government funding tax uh tax exemption for certain things in order to make sure that they continue to build the park, build tourism, and are financially uh, helpful to the state. Well, Disney decided, oh, well, we're, we're going to pull back our own funding and stuff that we've donated, that we've been donating to the state. And this has been, regardless of the party listeners, this has been on both sides. They've decided, all right, well, we're going we're gonna to stop doing that. So Florida said, okay, well, we're going to reevaluate your situation. So Florida decided to reevaluate it and decided, okay, well, you no longer get the kickbacks that you've been getting. And Disney goes, oh, it was shit. 
Yeah, 63 billion. Before listeners, we've had moments where people have called out, like, oh, you go woke, go broke, and, and you know, Disney loses $7 million or $7 billion. And we all laugh and go, yeah, that's a drop in the bucket. Disney doesn't give a shit about that. Uh, $63 billion, though, yeah, that's, that's, that's hurting your, your, your wallet for Disney. That's actually a big chunk of change. Yeah, that's actually something that they'll feel. Yeah. Instead of, you know, the seven billion, seven billion dollars. I don't give a shit about listeners. Why? Because they'll make that back within a year because of park attendance, because of subscribers, because of MCU movies coming out. They'll, they'll make that back. Seven billion dollars. Sixty three billion dollars. Ooh, dude. Yeah, that's not easy. That's not an easy pill to swallow. So uh, and on top of that, they've had their own like even their own workers have protested out in front of their own parks saying like you guys are you guys aren't representing me you're representing a small portion of the population because somebody virtue signaled to you and you wanted to virtue signal back but oh we weren't in a good ally you could have just stayed the fuck out of it and that's really where businesses should be businesses should be just staying the fuck out of things listeners disney's not the only one that's losing money uh netflix is now showing you know, similar problems in the fact of people are kind of getting fed up with their shit and they're dropping out as subscribers. And Netflix recently had to, for the first time in the company's history, tell their shareholders that they lost subscribers instead of usually listeners year over year. Netflix has either gained subscribers or it stayed stagnant. In other words, they've lost subscribers, but they've gained new subscribers to take those subscribers place. And that's kind of the way these services work. Uh, Disney plus is kind of a weird situation where they've lost subscribers and then their subscriber count just stopped. Like it just hasn't been growing the way it was part of that. I think has to do with the shows that they're offering and other things. I think it's just people just either are tired of their shit or they're just like, I can't afford every fucking subscription service out there. So I have to check some balances and go, all right, well, I'm not going to take your service. I'm going to take this service. Very possible. Um, same thing happens with Hulu as well, but Hulu's actually been showing they've been getting subscribers, which is weird because they're owned by Disney. So <laughs> I don't know what's going on there. Uh, but anyways, Netflix had to, share, had to tell their shareholders we lost subscribers this time, and they're expecting to lose upwards of 2 million more in the coming months. So, I mean, they've... Netflix has suffered from a lot of different things over the past years. They've had mark, they've had problems with the uh, stock market. Uh, also, they've had other many embarrassments where producers were found out to be pedophiles. Uh, producers of shows of kids were found out to be pedophiles. Um, they have new shows that come out that are just like mind-bogglingly stupid. Of like, why are like, what is this? Like, why are you even making a show about this? They have one about a pregnant man. That's what made. Yo, yeah. You haven't heard about this. Yeah. No. Is it I think Bill it's Gates. <laughs> yeah. Bill Gates, who looks like the embodiment of the, the male, the pregnant male emoji. Like, no, I legitimately have not heard of this. I would, I would have thought you actually would have heard about this. So, uh, so it's a Netflix show coming from Japan. It is based off of a manga. Uh, now it's not really that popular of a manga. And, uh, I know a lot of people have been saying, Oh, well, it's just woke garbage. Uh, it's it is. <laughs> I'm not gonna say I'm. I'm not gonna say it's not. In my opinion, this is where the woke is starting to enter uh, a lot of uh, other cultures, and one of them being Japan. And 
the idea usually behind a male pregnancy in anime or in uh, manga is usually treated as a social commentary on accidental pre- or pregnancies that can take place that could take place between uh, uh, transgender couples. So if you had like, you know, a transgender male who's with a transgender uh, female, it would be a, a biological woman and a biological male. Uh, and how a pregnancy can come across or come about that way, you know. There's also the possibility of uh, couples who, where one only one part of the couple is transgender and the other is not, uh, that can happen. Um, there's also it is also used as a way to comment on how unexpected pregnancies are treated just in Japanese culture in general. There's also the issue of unexpected pregnancies as a result of adultery, just flat out adultery and how it's seen societally uh, and the consequences of what that person has to live with now that they've you know committed their adultery or anything like that. This is a possible result. There's also the issue of unexpected pregnancies as a result of adultery, just flat out adul- adultery and how it's seen societally uh, and the consequences of what that person has to live with now that they've, you know, committed their adultery or anything like that, this is a possible result. Now let's be honest with ourselves. Netflix isn't that deep and they aren't trying to bridge the gap of U S culture and Japanese culture. So when they brought this show over, they knew they were bringing it over specifically for their own agendas here in the U S there's a big difference between how Japan treats these things and how we treat these things in the U S just as there would be societal differences on how these things would be treated between a small community and if you lived in a big city, let's say. So you live in a big city, unexpected pregnancy would be seen and treated completely differently to how it would be seen in a small, tight-knit community, like in a hometown where you grew up. So having a show like this come over here, it isn't about that culture at that point. It's Netflix trying to take a stand like, oh, the, you know, look at how this uh the society treats it and trying to make us open our eyes to the things that are going on around us when those things don't really apply here like we don't have the same cultures we don't have the same outlook on things instead to the rest of us it comes across as just woke bullshit that we're tired of hearing about and that's the problem that's where people are getting aggravated with netflix and going fuck this this is fucking ridiculous and unfortunately it's it's not good for the creators of the show because they don't have any idea, like, or I shouldn't say they don't have any idea, but they don't have, they don't see everything that's going on here. I mean, it's like, uh, it's like us in, in the US. We don't see everything that goes on in, in England. We don't see what's going on with their culture. We don't see everything that's going on in India. We don't see everything that's going on. You know, there's a war going on and we don't get to see everything from that. That should kind of tell you where it's coming from culturally, the fact that it's not coming from a place, it's not really coming from a place of full wokeness in Japan. And while it's not super popular there, Netflix intentionally went out of their way to try and bring this to the U.S. because they wanted to bring in that idea of wokeness. They wanted people to see like, oh, we're progressive, regardless of the fact that for the creator, that wasn't about that. As far as I know, for the creator in Japan, it could have just been about the fact of I wanted to tell a heartwarming story about a character who had these stigmatisms about uh, unexpected pregnancies, especially when it came to when women got pregnant. and how our culture treats that societally. And I wanted to have a good story of like showing what those interactions and stuff can do to the people around them and how that can change people. And that's fine. That's a good heartwarming story, but 
it's coming to the wrong audience. And that's what's happening is you're seeing the outrage of people just saying, I'm tired of this fucking shit. I'm tired of this nonsense. So not everything in manga, not everything in anime translates well here to the US. I just think that Netflix made the call based off of where they're at and the agendas that they have, not based off of what is actually not not just appropriate, but what is uh, going to be really wanted by uh, the U.S. crowd. And that's pretty evident when they're coming out with puppet shows that are literally about fucking, you know, they have fucking Muppets that are talking about their genders that are talking about, you know, the different sexual acts they have. And when you see shit like that, that's fucking ridiculous. For those of you who are wondering, like, what the fuck is he talking about? Do yourself a favor. Go and look up the trailer for, I believe it's called Sex Unzipped. Uh, you can find it easily on YouTube. And instantly you will be disgusted by the fact of this was actually a show that Netflix is trying to push. This is a show that Netflix wants. This is the kind of crap that they're trying to put out there by having a host talk about sexual acts, sexual orientation and stuff like that with Muppets. I just, and you might be sitting there going, well, uh, it's actually just a comedy show or it's a comedy special. It's not a comedy special. It's trying to normalize the kinks in sex for everybody else through Muppet humor. And it just comes across as woke, progressive nonsense. And people are tired of it. People are tired of this shit, Netflix. People are tired of you thrusting your bullshit agendas in our faces. And you might be sitting there going, well, you have the option of not watching it. Well, that's what you're witnessing. You're witnessing the option of not watching it where people cancel their subscriptions. Because they're just not going to continue to give money to a company that hates their values. They're not going to continue to give money to a company that just wants to push an agenda all the time. And for those of you out there who are saying that he's expecting is not about that. It's not about the agenda. The show may not have been created for that. But that's exactly what Netflix wanted. That's exactly why Netflix is bringing it here. It might not be that uh, about the woke. It might not be about being progressive to you, but to Netflix, it sure as shit is because that's exactly why they pushed it because I've read the manga. It's, it's not that bad. It's actually not a terrible story at all. It's actually heartwarming and it's actually made for, for women. It's the, that's their demographic for it. It was put in a, in a women's magazine, but if you can't blatantly see why Netflix brought this over, then you're blind. But I have a message for Netflix, and this doesn't necessarily apply to just this show. This applies to just Netflix in general. You guys are you guys continually continue to show these trash shows and continue to fund horrible programming that nobody cares about, that gets very few viewers that you cancel within a year or two. And you can't figure out why your service is failing. Really? I mean, shit, I canceled my service because I found out that Stranger Things had been delayed again. Again, technically, here's the thing. So here's here's what I was going to talk. What I was going to bring up the fact the fact that uh, they are expecting they they are expecting to lose those two million subscribers after Stranger Things four finishes airing, which has been split into two parts. (laughs) By the way, Stranger Things four was split up into two parts. It comes out May twenty seventh for the first for the first half of season four, and then the second half comes out June seventh, I believe. and that's when they're going to have the part two of season four. And I went, okay. Uh, and it does look like there's a little bit longer episodes, 
But this is literally, and I'm being absolutely serious, just a way for them to split up the season and make people pay for two months. Yep. That is what they are doing. Yep. They are trying to get people to pay for two months of Netflix, at least, to try and keep their numbers up. Yeah, draws out subscriptions. Yep. Makes their numbers look better. Yeah, this is just membership retention. Yep. Membership retention, exactly. This is the same shit that Disney Plus does with their shows of, oh, it's only going to release weekly, which is why they lost, they started losing subscribers and subscribers said, well, if you're only going to release weekly, I might as well wait. Like this, this is absolutely happening. And I know this for a fact because I'm doing this and I know other users are doing this because I've talked about it with other users. People lose or drop their subscriptions because we're just going to wait a year for all your bullshit to come out. And then we're going to binge watch the shit of it in a month and then cancel our subscription again, because that's cheaper than doing the subscription month to month because month to month, you're not offering enough to keep me there. Sorry, that's how this works. So I'm going to start treating you like a fucking blockbuster. And listeners, that's what I wanted to point out was the fact that I don't think, I think the first wave of subscription loss that they've had of the 200,000, 200, some some odd thousand less subscribers they've had. I think part of that has to do with the woke culture. I think that part has to do with the fact that people are just tired of the progressive bullshit. They're tired of being preached to. They just want to have good entertainment. They just want to have good shows and they don't want to have just complete crap. Like a lot of the crap that Netflix makes is just garbage and it's not even just woke garbage, just crap. It's just not very good. So I think that's where that comes from. I think the 2 million subscriber loss is going to come from people just tired of paying for these subscriptions month after month after month when they can just wait a year, get the subscription, watch all their shit and then leave. It's just, you know, and a lot of like a lot of people try to keep trying to say like, oh, Disney's losing money. Netflix is losing money because they went woke and you're going and they're going broke. I don't think it's necessarily just because they went woke. I think that Disney's losing money because one people are on one hand, I think people are tired of giving money to a company that hates them and hates their values. On another, I think that people are also sitting there going and seeing what's been going on and going, well, you guys are just you guys are just fucking, you know, trying to strain as much money out of me like a rag going through a fucking, you know, uh, an old ringer to try and get as much moisture out of it as possible. And with me, you're just trying to get as much money in me as possible. And I see it. So I'm just going to wait and I'm going to get, get my money's worth later. I'm going to actually get my money's worth out of your service at a later date. And I think a lot of people are trying, are, are starting to see that because nobody wants to pay for cable. We didn't want to pay for cable for the, for, for a reason. We went to these services because we didn't want to pay for cable. And now you're treating us like we're like we're paying for cable. So Congratulations, you played yourselves. Uh, and I think that's that has a lot to do with it as well. I, you know, the woke go the go woke, go broke thing might apply in some in some areas of it, but I don't think it applies as nearly as much as money. The fact that people are just tired of spending money and money and spending more and more and more, especially with inflation going up. Well, not only that, but I, some of these apps just perform terribly. Oh, yeah. Like um like Crunchyroll. Uh not only Crunchyroll, I, I have one worse. So I told you, uh, Ashley subscribed to Paramount Plus. Yeah. And uh, every time we get on, there's a network error after any episode plays. Yeah. And uh, she pays for the, uh, the commercial free tier. And we're still getting commercials before every episode. Yeah. So it's like, why, why am I paying for this? Yeah. I am paying you extra money to not watch commercials and you're playing them anyways. Yeah. So I, I've already written them a few emails and 
pretty much just get the same response of, oh, we'll look into it, which is, you know, corporate speak for go fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've listeners, I've suspended my, my Netflix. I'll get my Netflix back. I, I will get my Netflix back. I'll bring my Netflix back in June. So I'll do one month, get my, get my viewing out of stranger things. And then I'll cancel it again. I'll do the same thing with uh, Hulu. As soon as I'm done with Bob's burgers, I'm going to suspend my can my, my membership with them. Uh, unless there's absolutely something that my family wants to watch on it, in which case I'll just be stuck with it. That's how the same spot the burgers is done. They already finished Letter Candy. You're done with Hulu. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Cause you know, crossing swords isn't going to be back for a while and not, there's really nothing else on there other than watching one punch man. And I own one punch man. So there's no point. <laughs> uh, and most of the, in all of the anime they have, I get on crunchy roll. So and high five uh, or uh, high dive. High dive. I keep wanting to say high five just because what I know uh, and <laughs> that, high dive. Yeah. That's another uh, service I've written emails to is Crunchyroll. I keep asking them, Hey, when are you guys going to just bring over Funimation's interface? Because it's a million times better than yours. You Not only their interface, but their library, they're, yeah. they're still struggling trying to get that up. And that was supposed to start in April. And a lot of people have been complaining about the fact that the only thing they've seen from April on is they've seen uh, the new shows that were supposed to be posted come out on there, which is great. Crunchyroll, you know, it's good to be on top of it and make sure that you're posting the, you know, you're promised of we post the videos that aired in Japan the day, the day after or the day of. I can't remember. It's the I day after. It's the day after. Yeah, the day after they air in Japan, they air on Crunchyrolls. That's good. That's a good idea. Continue to keep that policy, otherwise you will absolutely lose subscribers. But. At the same time, they were talking about bringing over all of Funimation's library, and that was supposed to start in April. And so far, based off of what I've heard, nothing's been transferred yet. Yeah, I, I still pay for uh, uh, Funimation specifically just because I don't want to lose that library that we were supposed you to get. Yeah, you, you still have access to it for as long as like if you have your membership. I don't know if you, you do your membership yearly. I don't. OK, I do mine yearly, so I have mine up until June. But I mean, if it's not there by June, I lose some of that library that I had other than the stuff that I own. Well, that's that. what I'm saying. I'm still paying for both just because there's things that I want to watch. Still. I get that. Yeah. And I keep emailing him. Hey, when the hell are you guys going to do this? Like, yeah. Oh, by the way, Crunchyroll, the or Funimation's customer service finally got back to me. Finally. After I ended up fucking giving up and getting pissed off and saying, fuck it, you guys haven't answered me in over a month. The listeners, they didn't answer me for over a month. Over a month, they didn't answer me. And I had tried to get, a con get in contact with them like, hey, are you even going to tell me where the progress is on this? Or like, I would have taken a simple, hey, we're still working on this. That's it. I would have taken even that just to let me know, hey, we haven't forgotten about this. We're still working on it. But instead, that's not what I got. What I got was nothing for a, over a month. I didn't hear anything from them. And finally, I just went, fuck it. I'm just going to have to take that 60 day fucking, you know, trial from for Crunchyroll and use that. So I did that. I finally got a message back from them. They added me, they added 120 days to, to my account and extended my, extended my premium account for that. But I, fuck, it shouldn't have taken that. Jesus Christ. What I, the, like, I know customer service sucks and I know customer service is having struggles everywhere. Like there's shortages everywhere for customer service. Uh, and this is across the country. Loach can attest to this. Um, but at the same time, it shouldn't take a fucking month and it shouldn't take me writing in multiple times 
to ask them, hey, where's what's the progress on? And listeners, I was kind about it. The first couple of times I was actually, hey, uh, can you guys give me an update on this? Like, are you still working on it? I would take anything from just, you know, we're still working on it of, or, or it's going to take a little bit more time. And I would be satisfied with that. And I told them that twice. And that was over a period of a month of me going, okay, I haven't heard anything two weeks, sent them an email. I haven't heard anything in another two weeks, sent them another email. Another two weeks later, I finally go, look, fuck this. And I was just that at that point, patience is gone. I'm sorry. My, my patience only goes so far. And if I have to continue to write, well, you're not going to get the nice me anymore. I'm a nice person up to a certain point. I'm a nice person with cus, especially with customer service because their job sucks. Yeah. They, they basically, I understand why there's a shortage. They get paid to get shit on. Yeah. And I, I got to that point of just like, all right, well, I'm no longer going to be nice anymore. This is it. So yeah, it was just, fuck this. I was so mad. Um, but anyways, it finally got resolved. That happened. And because like, because of what, I mean, what you're going through with the fact that you're having to pay for, okay, you're having to pay for two services now just to get, just to keep both libraries, just to have both access to both things. When one, when, when both of them are the same fucking company to me, I think that's a wash in my opinion, what should happen, especially in your account is if you own, if you have a subscription to Crunchyroll, it should immediately say you have access to everything in Funimation with the same credentials, the same everything. And that's one, the- one price until we can merge these two services. Are you listening, Sony? Wake the fuck up. And that's the thing is I use the same account for everything. So it'd be a quick, you know, check the database of, oh, they have a membership here. They have a membership here. So we'll just cancel the fee for this one. But you can still keep access because you're paying for this one. Yeah, because it's- I'm paying for Crunchyroll premium because unlike you, I never got my. Uh, um my free trial or anything they yeah. still have yet to get back to me on that so i just said fuck it i'll just pay for it yeah which i think is what they were hoping to do it's either that or they've just massively dropped the ball on this whole situation yeah i i think they massively dropped the ball and that's what yeah i'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say that they're just really fumbling this whole you know merger takeover thing the company has no clue what they're doing. Well, that's what I'm saying. With I, this whole I, merger. I'd rather assume incompetence than, you know, malicious intent. Yeah. Um, but really, it, it just takes like a five minute check of, oh, yeah, he pays for this. He's still paying for this, but we own both. So let's just cancel the fee for one and let him let everybody keep access to both. Yeah. It's not that fucking hard. Yeah. And I've even messaged them about, I gate, like, I, I know I'm not the only one that's probably told them about this, but I, I even messaged him. I was like, Hey, I'm still paying for both. How about you just cancel the fee for one? I'll pay the more expensive one. Just let me have access to both, both libraries. Yeah. It, your own, you own both. Just- yeah. It should, it should absolutely be, you pay for one, you get access to both until we can manage to merge our libraries because it's the same fucking service. It's owned by the same fucking company and they're merging regardless. So why the fuck haven't you done this, Sony? Why, why has no one in your company figured this out? You were going to buy that. You're looking at buying the company for a year nearly and no one thought about this. Really? No one like just the amount of incompetence 
that comes up with this kind of stuff. Enlishers, you might be sitting there, oh, that's a little harsh. It's not harsh. They've been in business long enough to know better. And the fact that they run a streaming service already prior to this, before they bought another streaming service, they should know better. This isn't like an instance where Microsoft suddenly bought Netflix and never had a streaming service, something like that. If that had taken place, I could have, I could maybe have a little bit more understanding for Microsoft of, oh, well, you've never dealt with this before. You don't know what you're doing. I get it. Well, and the, Sony doesn't have that excuse. Sony has no excuse for it. They own streaming services. And the funny thing is, is like, you know, back when I used to pirate my anime before they had, you know, all these streaming services, you know, you'd get fan subgroups that are like, oh, this one's like five people and this yeah. one's like seven or eight. And eventually they would merge and it was fucking seamless. Yeah. You get dudes that are doing this just as a hobby for free. Yeah. That handle this kind of thing better than, you know, the big corporation who know or should know what they're doing. Yeah. When Fandango and Voodoo could figure it out, dude. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. Not, not perfect <laughs> listeners, but it's a shit ton better than what's happening. What's happening right now with Funimation and Crunchyroll. That Jesus one was Christ. at least kind of smooth. I'd even say that one was mostly smooth. Mostly smooth. I got you know, doubles of movies or some movies were, weren't in my library, but I was able to fix that. Yeah. All I had to do was contact customer service and a couple of weeks later, oh yeah, we, we're sorry. Hey, yeah, we'll fix that for you. It's stuff like that that gets people to go, fuck it, I'm not going to deal with that stuff. And as for like, as for services that, you know, are owned by companies that decide on, decide, oh, we're going to die on this political hill. Listeners, Bungie decided to go out of their way to virtue signal again on Twitter and say, oh, we support pro-choice and you know how terrible this is because of the Roe v. Wade stuff. Now, let's just, we're not going to go into the political discussion of Roe v. Wade and the fact that even Ruth, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the patron saint of the left, thought it was a trash law, and she thought it was a trash law because how poorly written it was. The current president, sitting president of the United States, uh, even tried to get it overturned and voted against Roe v. Wade. So uh, just letting you know, it's it's not been an issue of whether or not women have the right to get to to have choice. Oh, oh I should say it's not always been that way. For for Biden, it was that way because he he had made the, the statement of women don't have the sole right to choose, and that is a direct quote, listeners. And listeners, the only reason why I'm bringing that up is because on the left you have people who are saying, "Oh, we're pro-choice. We've always been pro-choice," but that's not true for one, and. It's literally you're seeing a complete shift of like, oh, well, well, we never were against Roe v. Wade from our current administration, which is the same thing that's happening with Twitter virtue signaling of, oh, what do we support this week? You, you can see it politically from our government and you can see it from our companies as well. The companies that we give money to, they will turn around on a dime so long as it makes them look good to a specific crowd. They can go, oh, we support this too. We're for it. We support Ukraine. We support BLM. We support pro-choice. That's what happens. It's all virtue signaling bullshit. So we're going to tell you what our individual stance is on abortion. And then we're also going to we're also going to tell you uh, where we stand on whether or not these companies should continue to be outspoken politically. So for me, I'm more of a fence setter. I sit on both sides of the fence and I can see both sides of the argument. Absolutely. I can also see the hyperbolic, ridiculous arguments on both sides as well. Uh, I tend to end up going with my more logical side of things rather than the emotional side of things. The emotional side is tied a lot to my own faith, uh, but my logical side tends to side with the fact of there is, you know, a a certain amount of gray that's in this whole thing. So 
yeah, I tend to go with that of saying, all right, well, you know, I'm pro-choice then in that case. And with the logical side of me, I, the, I laugh at the right because the right literally makes these statements of like, oh, we have to be pro, we have to be pro-life and every, and all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, but most of the people who are arguing for pro-choice, you guys wouldn't want having children in the first place. So shouldn't you just let them have the abortions so that there's less of them in the world? <laughs> like, like, you don't, you don't agree with the, most of these people politically on the, in the first place. So the majority of them politically, at least. So why, why are you arguing with this? Why are you getting so upset about it? It's just, it's, it, it comes across as a joke for me. It's why I laugh. I'm like, it's, it sounds ridiculous to listen to somebody say, oh, you, you, you know, how dare you? We're going to take this, this, this away from you because we don't, we don't want it. Well, you, you still want them raising kids and giving them the same values that they currently have. <laughs> like, really? Well, the, I had this conversation with one of my coworkers uh, yesterday, actually. And he's like, well, what do you think about it? And I, you know, gave him my views. I, I, I'm big on personal freedom. It's not my yeah. choice and it doesn't bother me. So do whatever you doesn't want. It doesn't affect you. So you're just okay with it. Um, but he's all like, well, you know, I, I'm pro-life. And I was like, so you want these, you know, poor people. And I say this broad, broad strokes. Yeah. I'm like, so you want more poor people to just be a drain on the welfare system, which we pay into, which you already bitch about having there are already to too many kids that are up for adoption as it is that can never find families uh, yeah and that's what i brought up i was like so you want there to be more of the thing that you already bitch about yeah and he's like well, well i didn't really think about it that way i was like yeah. yeah i know you didn't i'm assuming miles yeah you're pro-choice yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, vast majority I, I mean i'm not so pro-choice that i agree with these there's a limit that- yeah, I mean, there's yeah. Th- that one video I shared where the guy's like, oh, yeah, you should be able to abort a kid 10 months after it's born. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? I was like, yeah. that's murder. That's fucking murder. Yeah. That's fucking murder. Yeah. Extremely late that's, term. Oh, yeah. There, dude, there, there are people there. That, like, I will point out that all of those interviews that Miles is talking about, it was it was hysterical to watch, but it was all from California. Oh, yeah. Uh, go failed figure. state. Uh, yeah, there's like, a lot of gray area, but there, I mean, there's absolutely a lot of gray area. Ultimately, if it pertains to somebody's health and their life, then you should probably leave them the fuck alone so long as they're not infringing on somebody else. Yeah, which I will say, listeners, that is upheld in 50 states. So all of the United States, every state has a policy of if it's going to cause health issues or cause the mother to die or could cost the life of either the mother or the child or both, then the abortion, it just it's approved. That's I'm, I'm not kidding when I say that there's every state has that. Uh, and that includes Texas, <laughs> who has some of the harshest uh, abortion laws I've ever read. Um, yeah, the, the the big problem is trying to find the line when it becomes absolutely. okay and when, it's, when yeah. it's not. At what at what point do you consider a life a life? And the overall term was like up to 24, I think it was 24 weeks. Uh, when you hear a heart, when once you hear a heartbeat at that point, the abortion laws changed over. And this is true within them and listeners, even within the government, which was that the baby has to be taken to term. Uh, unless it is going to cause the mother's death, unless it is going to cause either both both deaths or something like that. And then after that, it goes to the third step, which is uh, if it's not, then it's just, you know, the child has to be born. That's it. Sorry, that's that's the way they go. So Roe v. Wade, getting rid of Roe v. Wade does not get rid of abortion. In fact, uh, only 18 states have harsh abortion laws. The rest of the states in the United States have very similar laws to what was already established after Roe v. Wade. So I just want to point out, like, if Roe v. Wade went away, it's not going to immediately get rid of abortion in every state because there are multiple states that had already approved abortion even beyond the 24 weeks, beyond the heartbeat limit. 
California, New York, there there are two of them that did that. But uh, I mean, Anderson, you you you're pro choice. I am pro choice with the restrictions. Um, I yeah, it's all it's all a limit, right? There's things that I don't agree with. Like I don't agree that like in Colorado, we just passed uh, another abortion law that says we can abort up to birth, which mm-hmm. I'm full disagreement because I think by the time you hit the third term, you know the baby's coming. But then you should have already known if the mother was going to be at risk. And I understand there's a lot of situations where a female will not know they're pregnant by the first term, but when the second term hits, they know for the most part. Yeah, absolutely. And there's just too many situations and there's too much gray area. That's why I'm pro-choice. Absolutely. I get it. Yeah. I'm totally on board with you guys. The fact that like there are limitations to how this works and those limitations should absolutely be there. Listeners, the, the point that I'm making and the reason why I brought this up in the podcast and why I've told you each one of our stance on this stuff and why I brought up the logical arguments of like the ridiculous you know arguments that I hear from the right. I've had people tell me, well, who are you to make that decision of whether what a life is worth? And somebody actually told me, well, you could be denying the world the next Einstein. Yes, but I also could be denying the world the next Adolf Hitler. So let's keep this non-hyperbolic. Yeah. Uh, you get a hyperbolic, you can flip a coin by then. Yeah. It's a 50-50 chance at this point. What's the odds of you getting another Einstein? What's the odds of you getting another, uh, you know, Hitler? What's the odds of you getting another Stalin? What's the odds of you getting another, another Isaac Newton? It, it's slim to none considering there's 8 billion of us on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but I, I, get those, I get those ridiculous arguments. And the reason why I'm bringing it up, listeners, is I want you guys to know that with this group, we still think it's stupid for Bungie as a company to die on the hill of, <laughs> we are going to continue to virtue signal and be pro-choice. And it's and the reason why I say this, because again, companies should just stay the fuck out of it. Just stay the fuck out of it. Stay the fuck out of politics. You have your own workers who can make their own statements because they vote. They have their own personal statements. If you as a company, as a whole, all decided at once, and I guarantee you, there's got to be at least one person in Bungie that's probably pro-life and they don't want to talk up because if they do, they'll get lambasted from the rest of their colleagues or from people online. Complete ostracization. I'm also against companies going after their employees for having social media accounts. Absolutely. I think that absolutely needs to end. There was a reason why that used to be instigated because a long time ago, and I can tell you this from a marketing standpoint, uh, companies see all their employees as when you're out in the public eye and people know who you work for, you're literally a voice for the company. That's how people perceive you. That's the way that marketing used to work. So if you had like a McDonald's employee, uh, think about like when you'd see somebody in the news back in the day, they'd bring up their place of work. That would be a, you know, a fucking red flag for, for that company because the company's like, oh shit, we employed somebody who was crazy or we employed somebody who tried to kill the president. We employed somebody who tried to do like just anything really. And they go, oh shit, like that's going to make us look bad. That's how companies see it. Because from a marketing standpoint, whether whether the people like it or not, the public perceives anybody who works for a company as, oh, that's the stance of the entire company. That's how dumb human beings are. And I know this because I've seen it on multiple things of like with even geeks and gamers when they get hyperbolic about like, uh, oh, Disney, you know, Disney employees that were upset at the, uh, the, the, the parental rights bill, right? We'll take that for example. And I think two out of the entire wall of, of human beings that they listed that were that were writing into Disney to please represent them. Two of them were pedophiles. And those two made up that entire wall, apparently. <laughs> like I sat there, I'm like, look, they don't make up every single person there. It doesn't mean every single person there is a groomer. 
It just means that two of them were, and the rest of them are concerned because either they've been misinformed or they don't, they haven't read the bill. And that's what it came down to. I think majority of the time people don't actually read the bill. They loosely based on what somebody else says. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's true. Even within our our own government, I think Congress passes every bill without reading them. Uh, There's so many uh, headline reactionary stances. uh, And that's part of where that, you know, we've said it before uh, at the very least I've said it multiple times where sensationalism comes into play. Yeah. Like, Oh, well this is really radical. So I have to take a stance based off of this headline and not read into the article. And listeners, we're not going to say that we, we've never been hyperbolic. I mean, th- I think out of everybody in the group, I'm probably the most hyperbolic in the group. Uh, just because I like to use, I like to use really extremist <laughs> like situations or something like that. Just to fucking blow things out, you know, blow things up to the point of like, what if this happens? That kind of thing. Yeah, it can be uh, used sometimes. to illustrate a point. And, and that's what, it, that's really what it is. It's just to illustrate a point. It doesn't mean that that's absolutely going to happen. There are times where we make predictions about things that we're being absolutely serious about. There are times where I make jokes, like hyperbolic jokes about things. And you know, it's, it has nothing to do with what's actually happening. Uh, yeah, but you're they're not to doing make, it to get attention for yeah. us to listen to you. Yeah. <laughs> it's, not, it's not really, it's, it's more of like, this is just for entertainment value. Not really for, you know, you guys to take absolutely serious. Uh, cause I mean, otherwise, otherwise you end up like, otherwise you end up with stupid situations like what's going on in California where people are calling this, uh, like the, the bill that's going on. They're trying to pass a bill listeners in California where coroners are going, are no longer going to be used or called in to analyze the remains of an abortion or a, up to, up to a certain amount of months. If a bra- baby is uh, prematurely born or something like that, or even a, a baby that's late born 10 months. Uh, a coroner is not going to be called in to look at that. And the bill's kind of broad stroke written like a lot of bills are, but the ridiculous fucking thing that I've heard that is hyperbolic as fuck is from the right saying that, oh, it's going to lead to infant side or infinite or infanticide. I still think that's how you pronounce it. Sorry. Uh, but like I'm sitting there going, what? Like the, and they, the, this is their this is their their concern. They're worried that because of this bill, it's going to allow people to murder a child up to ten months, you know, a, a baby, and because there's no coroner, then they're going to excuse uh, a murder that could have happened. And the reason they say that is because, and it's a very small percentage, listeners, that when coroners have been called in, there have been times where coroners have been called in and they found, and because of what the coroner, coroner's exam, or exam reveals, that yes, the child was actually murdered by either the parent or someone else. And that's the thing COVID. that people are worried. Huh? COVID. <laughs> it's always COVID. <laughs> Everything's COVID. Uh, it's an easy no. tick box. <laughs> There's a quote here. COVID. I love that. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's now that's, that's like just the in, like instant go-to joke uh, for this stuff now, but uh, no, but like that's, that's their concern. It's legitimate on the fact that it's, it, it affects a small. And when I say small percentage, I'm talking like a small percentage, like COVID affects a small percentage, like of deaths. <laughs> so it, we're talking in the fractions of a percent. This happens where well, this is the case and they're, they're sitting there saying, well, it's, it's going to allow for, you know, infanticide. I'm like, well, it's not, I, I get your concern, but at the same time, when the state is looking at it going, well, it costs us so much money to use a corner every time we do this and they're being used on every single case, every single case. Now, don't get me wrong. I think the, the, the bill should be rewritten to, uh, change it to say, oh, 
we're going to change it so that the coroner's only called in after birth. Or if there's actual foul play yeah. suspected. Where it's actual foul play suspected. That should be how it's written. But it's not. And like I said, it's broad stroke. And that's the thing that they're concerned with. But people have been hyperbolic with it and ex- it gone to the extreme of like, oh, it's going to allow for intima- you know, infanticide. I'm like, what? <laughs> that's what i mean that's what i mean by like there there are stupid things that happen on the right there are stupid things that happen on the left and i mean statistically it will at least once yeah but out of hundreds yeah well that's where i was going with this is like it's a legitimate concern for the probably two cases that'll happen mm-hmm. but it's gonna be two cases and you know people were gonna kill that kid either way so yeah, yeah it was gonna happen yeah not saying it's right yeah. but uh, in yeah, in most cases, it's not going to most- stop it from happening. Yeah, laws don't yeah, there- stop things from happening. They just punish for bingo. Things happening. Laws do not stop <laughs> things from happening. Yeah. Bad people are going to do bad things regardless. Now, listeners, this does not mean that these people will get away with it because majority of the time, when those things are caught by the coroner, they are also suspected by the police, and they are already investigating it before the coroner gets involved. So, if there is foul play suspected, those cases will still be investigated. So I'm just just pointing that out that people do that with with every bill from the don't say gay bill to now the infanticide bill, which is both of those sayings are hyperbolic. Yeah, that's what that's what I'm pointing out, and that's why like that's why I'm like you know I mean I'm in the stance of like you, you know everything is taken to extremes and everybody decides like oh this is going to ruin our lives and stuff like that, and these companies come in with no knowledge and just say well we support this cool uh, how's the game going <laughs> like like how's how's your business doing like and what's really funny is you know, like the person that was on social media i mean they weren't taking anybody's shit they were just gonna keep you know coming back at them and i'm like bungie i get it that you're you're gonna come back at your at the people who are talking out about it but i hate to tell you this not everyone is pro-choice not everyone is pro-life so you should just stay the fuck out of it and not worry about it and worry about your own shit, worry about your own game. Yeah. And if your own employees are worried about it, then let them say something about it. They can say something themselves. Is if you're taking a stance on something, especially a fucking social issue, you know, you're essentially alienating the opposition yeah. as a business. How do the fuck does that help you? Yeah, that's why it, it was it ridiculous. Get you more money. Like you're a fucking business. Yeah, that's why it was ridiculous to see <laughs> celebrities telling people who were Trump supporters, you know, glad I'm glad I'm losing you as a follower. Well, congratulations, you just alienated over 70 million people in the United States and just told them to go fuck themselves and never watch your films. Yeah. How intelligent does that sound? Like that's like a company going out of its way to tell its customers, fuck you. I don't care what you think. I'm gonna do whatever the fuck I want. I'm gonna support this one issue. The rest of you can go, you know, can go pound sand. Meanwhile, you can't figure out why you're losing money. You can't figure out why people aren't playing your game. You can't figure out why people are go- aren't going to see your movies. Warner Brothers couldn't figure this out with with Johnny Depp, and that was the small that was a small issue comparatively, because Johnny Depp was lambasted because of one person's allegations with no proof, and it turned out it went the other way, and they still stuck with that. And then they kept that other person employed. You're now Warner Bros. You're now seeing the repercussions of what you do when you die on a hill just for your own agenda. When you could have just said, uh, "Well, you know, we don't know what's going on with that. We're going to wait till till there's uh, there's further evidence that he's done this." You treated him like he was Harvey Weinstein. 
Harvey Weinstein, who had legitimate evidence, decades, that, yeah, of evidence. decades of evidence that he was raping women and abusing them and abusing his power. And you decided to throw in the towel on Johnny Depp with zero evidence. And Lecher's, I get it. The company can't associate themselves with somebody who's an abuser. And that, and that would be true if it weren't for the fact that when it turned out that Amber Heard actually was the one hitting him, I, there's literally audio evidence of this. They did nothing. They didn't kick her off of Aquaman 2. No, they kept her on. Even if it is just 10 minutes, it's 10 minutes of a, uh, of a film I don't want to watch now because she's associated with it because you're still supporting an abuser. So that's what we what we're talking about. Like these companies just just stay the fuck out of it. Stay the fuck out of politics. Don't make a stand on these issues that you think you need to make a stand on because yeah. the rest of us got it covered. The the citizens, we have it covered. Thanks. We can figure it out for ourselves. And for those of you who are freaking out about Roe v. Wade and all that stuff, one, read the memo. Two, if uh if if it does go away, it's not going to affect every state. 18 states have harsher, have, have harsh, hard, harsh abortion uh, policies that haven't changed because of after Roe v. Wade, there's no point in making them, making them vote on it. After Roe v. Wade goes away, they're going to have to put something on the ballot, more than likely, in any of those states, I'm guaranteeing it, on what their policies around abortion should be. And if you don't agree with it in that state, well, you can either leave the state, which you have the right to do, or you can live there and fight it. That's, yeah, that's legislation's never ending. I mean, nothing, yeah. nothing is truly permanent. ever set in stone. So yeah, the only things that have been set in stone are in our constitution. And those are the first fucking amendments. <laughs> the things that some people are trying to destroy. And that should be, and that's some, <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing that's trying to be taken away. That's the yeah. thing that, that I, I didn't see Bungie taking a stand on freedom of speech as it's been fucking questioned over and over and over again, as it's been trying to take away from you by companies getting together and collaborating with one another to try and remove your right to freedom of speech. No, they're treating themselves like publishers, which if you were a publisher, you're allowed to regulate what it literally that's the law listeners. If you're a publisher, you're allowed to regulate whether or not somebody can say something, but Twitter's not a publisher. So why are they allowed to regulate what you can say? Why are they regulating? Why are they allowed to regulate what you can think? We have a ministry of truth basically being created. Uh, it's the uh, the disinformation governance board. It's, uh, I remember the uh, the initials for it are DGB because it's one off from KGB and and it made me laugh. <laughs> but yeah, I mean it's ministry of truth, <laughs> and that's exactly what uh, it is. There's there's, there's no dancing around that. So listeners, the reason why I'm bringing that up is because. That that's the government literally going to tell you what you're allowed to think and, and say. Mm-hmm. What's misinformation to the government? The government, our government, is responsible for some of the biggest misinformation that's ever that's ever existed. Fucking love that clip from Rand Paul. <laughs> Fucking Rand Paul, like just blasted that shit. Yeah, brilliant. And the fact that like we, listeners just just think about the fact, and I'll, I'll you know I'll play it, I'll play it in the podcast. I'll I'll take an edit of that and and put it in there so you can hear what he says. He's basically pointing out that our our own government has misinformed people. And this is not the 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 cases that he issues aren't the only times our government no. has been responsible for misinformation consistently throughout the existence of our nation. It's happened. So listeners, here's that clip. And number 2, is it your proposition that when the cartels spread disinformation with respect to our immigration policies to try to lure 
vulnerable migrants to our border illegally? I think you've got no idea what disinformation is, and I don't think the government's capable of it. Do you know who the greatest propagator of disinformation in the history of the world is? The U.S. government. Are you familiar with McNamara, the Pentagon Papers? Are you familiar with George W. Bush and the weapons of mass destruction? Are you familiar with Iran-Contra? I mean, think of all the debates and disputes we've had over the last 50 years in our country. We work them out by debating them. We don't work them out by the government being the arbiter. I don't want guardrails. I want you to have nothing to do with speech. You think we can't determine you know, speech by traffickers is disinformation? You think the American people are so stupid they need you to tell them what the truth is? You can't even admit what the truth is with a steel dossier. I don't trust government to figure out what the truth is. Exactly. Government is largely disseminating disinformation. Whether it's been in speech, whether it's been in writing, it's happened over and over and over again. So you want to trust them with what should be considered fact and what should be considered fiction? Really? We're talking about a group of people that went to war in Iraq because of WMDs that didn't exist. Those three words, trust the government, never, <laughs> never yeah. come to fruition. <laughs> Fucking Christ. Yeah. Reagan had it, like Reagan said it best. The, the, most, the scariest, yeah, the scariest <laughs> words you can ever hear from someone is I'm from the government and I'm here to help. That was a, that was a president, a sitting president telling people that. <laughs> Come on, guys. <laughs> he was trying to give you a clue that it does not matter who is in power. You cannot trust your government to always do what is best for you. That is why our, that is why our democracy exists. That is why people can talk. That's why we can say the things we say, because we have to, sometimes we have to point out the lunacy that's happening around us. But I don't see Bungie stepping in and saying, hey, that's not right either. They shouldn't be allowed to do this. I don't see Bungie setting in, stepping in and going, hey, that, that's wrong. What they're doing is wrong there. No, they just like the rest of them pick and choose. Oh, I'm going to stand with this this week. What's, uh, what thing can we side with this week? That's, that's all it is. It's just virtue signaling. It's complete nonsense. Otherwise, they'd be stepping up and saying, yeah, we don't agree with this either. This isn't right. The government shouldn't be doing this. We should be stepping up against this as well. Unless they support, you know, Orwellian futures. But that's not what I'm saying, listeners. And I'm, I'm not saying that they support this stuff or they support anything else like that. I don't even think they actually support the pro-choice thing. I'm pointing out the fact that they do this just for brownie points on, on Twitter. And the person who's in charge of their social media, the only reason why they're not you know, stepping down or anything like that, and you know, hats off to them for doing it, is the fact that they've learned that you, you just don't, you don't apologize to the cancel culture. You don't apologize to the, to the crowd that's you know, having the biggest voice. And, you know, if, if they want to stick with it, great. If players are really that upset with it, they'll stop playing their games. But I mean, it's just, it's complete bullshit. I just want to point that out. It's, it's social media brownie points. That's all they were going for. So don't think for a second that any of these companies actually care about what you think and what you believe in, you know, just like Disney, they don't actually care about you. I, I want you guys to know that that's where we stand so that you can understand when we're telling you that Bungie and companies shouldn't be taking these stances. It's for a reason. Well, and I mean, we've talked just real quick. We've talked it. about this before. Yeah. Uh, I companies, if they don't knock it the fuck off, they lose my business after a while. Yeah, yeah, like well, uh, Black Rifle Coffee products suffers because of it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and that's what I was bringing up with uh, Black Rifle Coffee. I used to love their fantastic coffee, but you know their their newsletters that they 
automatically sign you up for when you buy anything from them yeah was just a wall of text sucking trump's dick uh, oh yeah here's, even, here's our new yeah, product at the e- end even, by the way. even though it turned out the head of the company didn't even like trump yeah but he he knew who his audience was so he catered to that but that's what i'm and saying that though, yeah like, i get it i i don't come to a coffee company for a political opinion just shut the fuck up and sell me yeah, coffee i don't play destiny because i'm pro-choice Ex- exactly and <laughs> after a while i I don't need i don't need my i don't need the companies i i get my products from to agree with me on things just don't hate me yeah just don't hate me that's it well and that's what i'm getting at just stay in your lane (laughs) sell me coffee sell me video games i don't give a fuck what the company's political opinion is i come to you for a product not an opinion yeah Yeah. and that's and that's really what what a lot of the twitter stuff was being you know don't get wrong there were definitely plenty of hate you know coming towards uh towards bungie's way but a lot of the people who were replying replying to it actually were pro-choice like they they're pro-choicers there's they're sitting there going all right well i'm i'm pro-choice but i think you should shut the fuck up yeah like you're you're a company i don't need to know your stance like if an individual from that company takes a stance great you're an individual you're allowed to vote you you can make change as a company it's not your place to tell to, to talk about politics in my opinion because we already have too many companies that involve themselves in our politics as it is you don't need to step into the arena yeah Ben and Jerry are some of the dumbest motherfuckers I've ever heard of when it comes to their political opinions. Just yeah. fucking atrocious. Right. But I love their ice cream. So unless yeah. it takes a toll on their ice cream, I'm still going to get it from time to time. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you get things that do affect their quality of product like Disney, Warner Brothers. Mm-hmm. You know, you fucking name it. Yeah, you're going to stop getting that product because it's fucking terrible. Yeah, and that's where the agenda starts taking over the storytelling. Yeah. So, I mean, it's the same thing, you know, just physical merchandise to to media representation. Absolutely. I blame Twitter for this. (laughs) I'm serious. I I just laugh because of the fact, like, just like Twitter's even even with with Elon Musk, like the amount of like the opening up free speech on Twitter. I think that's a great thing. I think anybody should be allowed to say whatever the fuck they want. Absolutely. I mean, for God's sake, Twitter had Twitter, Twitter got rid of a sitting president, regardless of how you feel about it. That's fucking weird. When they kept, when they, they got rid of a sitting president, but they kept the, they Taliban. Kept the fucking <laughs> Taliban on there. They allowed the CCP to stay on there. They allowed fucking Putin to stay on there. And on top of that, they also, <laughs> they, they allowed fucking flat earthers to stay on there. You want to talk about misinformation? Are you fucking kidding me right yeah, now? That's, that's you, more you offensive let them to stay? me than anything. <laughs> Jesus Christ, <laughs> the earth is flat. Come on. Like, that's right up there with the moon is hollow. Fucking idiots. It's a treadmill. Like, Moonfall is not a documentary, although it is fun. <laughs> We're going to talk about how terrible that movie is. <laughs> it's awesome. I love it. So, but speaking of, uh, you know, companies that make terrible decisions, but what I was getting at with the Twitter thing really quick was the fact that like, it's going to get astronomically worse. Oh, I know. But the, the <laughs> but, but, but at least, pe- but here's but the upside is at least people will be able to say what the fuck they want. Yeah. I just, without repercussion. It's so annoying to me that you can just tell a lot of these business decisions are yeah. just made to uh appeal to the cult of the blue check mark yeah so <laughs> absolutely it's... i'm a real person Bing! <laughs> what does the loud minority Ooh. want <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's just what the fuck so uh speaking of terrible business decisions uh <laughs> and decision making the uh the nft market is collapsing 
uh, massive NFT theft is just rampant right now. It's uh, you know creating a volatile market for NFTs and cryptocurrency in general uh, because it doesn't give any credence to the continued push for NFTs and cryptocurrency as they both use blockchain. And NFTs were supposedly harder to steal than cryptocurrency. Listeners, think about that for a second. Cryptocurrency is less secure than NFTs, and NFTs have had massive theft. Now, why is that? Because people own them. Here's the thing that I've learned just dealing with the, uh, and you'll also agree with this, I'm sure, dealing with the, uh, the computer literate um, community. Yeah. Is anytime you say something is unhackable, the hackers all say, hold my beer and watch this. Yeah, hold my beer. We're going to see how this works. So I don't understand why people are surprised. It's the reason why I can't give any credence to Malcolm Reynolds bullshit fucking thing of like, oh, I'm trying to save the community. So they create a better, a, a better anti-cheat system because the second they do and they make one, you'll be the asshole that tries to break it because you're trying to prove your point of they need to make a better one. Yeah, you, fucking douchebag. You're not helping anybody. You're not helping you're just anybody. Being an you're asshole. just being an asshole. Hackers are the same way. You're not helping anybody. You're just being an asshole because somebody said you couldn't do it. And you went, well, I'm going to do it. Well, that's not always the case. Sometimes they are actually trying to point out flaws in a system, but the majority of them are just saying, oh, you told me I can't do it. Fuck yeah, you. Watch this. It's a slippery slope. It, you're, a, you know, you're either seen as Robin Hood or you're seen or you're, or you're seen as just the guy who's fucking everybody else over. Right. Uh, big gray area. Are, but are, it's, are you the con man? Are you Robin Hood? Right. Well, I don't see you taking all that cryptocurrency and giving it to the poor. So I'm going to go with con man. Right. They're the bad representative of my obstinate syndrome. yeah true just make me think of those guys hoarding all the ps5 saying it's good for the economy (laughs) oh yeah we're just trying we're just it's just supply and demand no 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 you (laughs) mispronounced extortion you asshole you missed it at work the other week one of my coworkers is trying to sell me his ps5 sorry for the sidetrack oh you're fine but he bought it from (laughs) (laughs) dude i'm the reason why most of our podcasts go like two hours (laughs) so anyways we were were sitting there at work and uh, i told him i was like yeah you know i still don't have a ps5 because i refuse to pay anything over than retail it's bullshit fuck that and he's like oh i bought mine you know one of my buddies has a hookup i'll i i can sell you mine i don't really pay you know play it that much i was like well how much do you want for it he's like well i bought it for 750 so i want 750 (laughs) (laughs) my foreman was (laughs) oh shit you're serious it gets better (laughs) so my foreman was walking past at the time while we were having the conversation because it was like the end of the day it's like the last 15 minutes they don't give a shit and uh, I told him, I was like, you want me to pay over retail for a used product? You can go fuck yourself. Right? Dude, yeah. my foreman had to pull me aside and he's like, that was really harsh. I was like, yeah. I, again, it's you're asking me to pay one and a half times for something that came out of the box when anything depreciates 50% value, like a value the moment yeah. you open the box. I've been yeah. like, does it come with three controllers and eight games? <laughs> yeah yeah that's pretty much what are I started. you giving me your account and credit card yeah because that's <laughs> i i started laughing at him i was like oh you're you're serious sir how many like extra peripherals am i getting for that like am i getting all your controllers and all the games that you bought for it and he's like no just the system i was like you can go fuck yourself <laughs> 750 for used ps5 yeah. you can eat a that, 
Dick. That was one hell of a hookup. Your friend ripped you the fuck off. <laughs> yeah, I was. I'm willing to put yeah. money that all his games. I hope he listens to this. I hope he listens rates. to this. Please tell him. <laughs> please tell him to listen to us so he can hear me laugh hysterically well, at his lunacy. The funny part was he got all offended that I didn't think that was a good deal. Go fuck yourself. That's what I told him. I was like, get the fuck out of here. I'm not going to buy your already, you know, upcharged PS5 that's used. You're insane. It, you, the, first of all, you were insane for buying it at that cost in the first place. You should have told your buddy, your hookup to eat a giant bag of dicks. If you're going to, if you're going to pay $700, you're going to want to watch him eat the bag of dicks. <laughs> just bring over a whole thing of dildos and just say, chow down, dude. Yeah. Well, I you told, film it. I told him, I was like, look, you can talk to your hookup. Because $700, you should at least get a show out of it. Exactly. I was like, you know, for, you could tell your hookup, because apparently the guy still has some. I was like, I'll pay him retail plus tax. Yeah. I'll pay him exactly what I would, what I would I pay. Will, I will pay him exactly what he paid. Yeah. For his console. Exactly. I was like, I will give him exactly what he paid for it. He's still making money on it. Yeah. So I'll, I'll pay him that, but I'm not paying a cent over retail. And the fact that you're trying to make your money back off of me by selling me your used one. Yeah. You're, you can also eat another bag of dicks. <laughs> That's insane. It was funny. My foreman thought I was going to fight him over it. I was like, no, dude, I'm sitting here laughing. Like this is insane, yeah, but that's just fucking bonkers. <laughs> <laughs> so as I was saying with the, the, the cryptocurrency and stuff like that, the reason why those things, ha- why those things are easy to steal listeners and why you have massive theft happening or theft happening is because they still involve people. People is the flaw. People still own them so they can get conned out of their own things that they own. So that's what's, that's what's taking place. You, you, we had the NFT replication that was taking place before. Now you have the NFT theft and it was a huge amount. Like I, I was $600 million. Six hundred and sixty million. Thank you. It's one. It's the second biggest uh, virtual heist in human history. I heard they just uh, uploaded it into Diablo two and just duped it. <laughs> <laughs> they just did the duplication trick. <laughs> uh, yeah. So especially when uh, you know when NFTs are supposedly harder to steal and yet they're just as easy. Uh, to con out of people because that's that's where the vulnerability lies. Um, it's you know it's it's just like a you know it's it's like with a bank. A bank is secure. A bank is run by people. That's where the that's where the insecurity comes in, listeners. And people own money that that's in the bank. So if you gave your credit card and, and all of your information to somebody, <laughs> if you gave out your credit card and all your information. To somebody, they could just steal your money. The difference is that a bank is insured, and if that happens, they have insurance that's backed by our currency. Our government backs that and says that if this happens, you get your money back. And that person gets you know brought up for federal charges because this is cryptocurrency. It's not backed by any system. So if cryptocurrency, like here's the other crazy thing, if cryptocurrency or NFTs drop to zero value that means that nothing was stolen yeah the ledger just drops down to zero that's it yeah that's it the number just drops down to zero it's not worth anything and nothing was stolen 
It's not backed by anyone. It's not protected by anything. It's just what it is. It's just perceived value. So because it's perceived value, it does, you know, and, and if that perceived value suddenly drops off the market and is no longer worth anything, then those hackers didn't steal anything. They didn't violate any law. And meanwhile, we still have people pushing for NFTs and pushing for cryptocurrency saying, oh, this is the future of everything, which is fucking retarded and ridiculous, especially given the amount of cryptocurrency uh, that's out there. And the fact that not everybody perceives one cryptocurrency as valuable as the other. So if somebody doesn't perceive it as valuable, they're not going to accept your currency. It's worth nothing. It's like trying to bring your money over to another country. If, you're, if your money has no perceived value by the country, they won't give you anything for it. It's the reason why you couldn't get rubles turned into dollars here in the United States during the 80s, <laughs> because it had no perceived value here. Whereas if you did the same thing in reverse all the way up through the 90s, if you weren't to a Soviet state or anything like that, during that time and you turned American money into rubles, it was considered valuable and you could not get your money back. I still love that story from my dad. <laughs> Sorry, we have no more American dollars. You'll have to leave. Somebody said that <laughs> we have no more American dollars. You'll have to leave. He just saw somebody give them us cash <laughs> and they, they told him, no, there's no exchange back essentially. That's how desperate that country used to be, which is why I don't understand why Putin wants to bring back the USSR. He clearly does not remember it as everybody else does. Yeah. So anyways, uh, but the, the reason why I brought up the NFTs and the cryptocurrencies is because it, if, with this happening at the same time, Square Enix decides to make the most baffling decision I have seen for a while. Like <laughs> this doesn't make any sense. So Square Enix is expected to sell Crystal Dynamics, uh, Eidos, and uh, Square Enix Montreal. They're selling them to the or what a, a corporation called Embracer the uh, Embracer Group, yeah. who uh, owns THQ. They own or THQ Nordic, I should say. But they they own a lot of different studios. They're not really well known for their name, but their studios that they own are known. So. They own a lot of studios and publishers. They're a Swedish group. So thankfully it's not China yeah. uh, buying this out, but they're a Swedish uh, corporation that is buying up these three developers and they're getting their IPs to go along with them at the amazing price. Now, I, before I go into the price, like, <laughs> I want to point out Sony bought Bungie for $3.6 billion. <laughs> yeah. And this group just got have one three. Title. <laughs> I still think they overpaid. Because it's Bungie and Bungie has not been worth three point something billion dollars in years. Uh, but regardless they, of that, I think they just got concerned because Microsoft is buying up a bunch of shit. They're like, oh, we got to do the same. <laughs> yeah, absolutely agree. Now, here's the crazy part this Embracer group just bought those three studios for $300 million. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking what? Yeah. yeah. $300 million, That's all they paid. <laughs> like, they got that at a steal. I have no idea how they pull this off. But in this, this includes they get they get like keep in mind these studios are responsible for Tomb Raider, Deus Ex, uh, Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, which while I didn't care too much for the overall gameplay, that story was fantastic, uh, and Legacy of Kane, Legacy of Kane, which has has a huge cult following, oh. and people have been asking for a Legacy of Kane game for years. Oh God, I hope this means uh, we get a new one. Now here's the thing: they specifically mentioned that the Legacy of Kane series that they now will be owning it. Oh, fuck yes. So that means that they absolutely have plans to try and bring back that series. In my opinion, that's what's going to happen. So on top of that, they, with the, with those companies, they got 
every single IP that that company, that those developers worked on. No word on whether or not that, that includes Marvel's. I think, I think Marvel has a different kind of contract with Square Enix specifically, but it would not surprise me if given the, the better reception that Guardians of the Galaxy got later on and the amount of people who eventually played it and said, oh, actually, this is way better than it, it is way better than, than Avengers. That's hard to do, but it still is better than, than Avengers. And I think that there's potential there to actually make an even better game. It'll be interesting to see if Marvel turns around and goes, oh, well, we're just going to keep we're just going to keep it with this developer because they did they did this before and we want to make another one. Just to ride that wave of like, maybe we can do maybe we can go into games and maybe we can get better games out there. So I'm personally just excited about this because uh, maybe we'll get a better Deus Ex. Yeah, because the the newer ones that they put out were good. Um, I forget what the most recent one was. The story that I managed to play was good, mm-hmm. but the game wasn't very functional. Okay. Um, if I don't remember if I told you this or not, I had to put it down because I encountered a game breaking glitch and uh, I just never went back to it. That's fair. Um, Deus Ex printer uh, homicide. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna kill this printer. <laughs> Uh, but that's also a really exciting news about the, uh, the legacy of Kane games that yeah. granted they have not aged well, but they were really good. They were great when they came out. They were fantastic for the yeah, time. A lot so of people loved them. That's really exciting news. I hadn't heard that part. Yeah. So here's the craziest part listeners. That's not the most insane part to me <laughs> is that they got it at that price or that they sold them. I mean, granted, the, those companies have been part of a meme with Square Enix. Every time they come out with a game, it'll sell great. And instantly, Square Enix will treat them like Sony treated Spider-Man or the Amazing Spider-Man of, oh, it underperformed. It made $800 million, but it underperformed. That's what Sony used to do with Spider-Man. Yeah. It didn't make a billion dollars, so it underperformed. With Square Enix, they must have had like GTA Five lofty aspirations for every single title that these companies made. Because their thought process was every time they came out, regardless of the rave reviews, regardless of how well the game sold, I remember this because they did the same thing to Hitman as the reason why IOI ended up splitting off from them and saying, fuck you, we're going to go, we're going to publish this ourselves. Because they kept saying, oh, your game's underperforming. (laughs) Your cells are underperforming. Really? Tomb Raider. Underperforming. Fuck, get fucked. <laughs> Days, like fucking Square Enix was so fucking ludicrous with that shit. So people used to make fun of them yeah, for that. Yeah, but they kept Outriders. <laughs> right? <laughs> they kept, like, they, they keep these other things around. They're like, oh, yeah, that's fine. We'll, we'll keep this. Uh, but but the, the craziest part to me is the fact that they sold them for $300 million so that they could turn around and invest it in NFTs and blockchain currency that they plan on making for themselves. Virtual scratch tickets. Virtual scratch tickets. <laughs> Square gave these gave these developers up for adoption and decided to go for scratchers. <laughs> Do you think they're just doing exactly this to let happened. Sony know that please buy them? Oh man, it's like I here's the thing with what Square just did and how they're pushing so much for NFTs and to they so listeners, they want to create NFTs for themselves and they want to have or create an environment where players can do the play to earn with them. That's the metaverse bullshit that's been going on that nobody cares about that is failing and costing 
you know, speaking of my of, of companies losing tons and tons of money every month, the metaverse is causing or is costing Facebook billions of dollars per month and developers from, from gaming studios look and see what the metaverse is made up of and how it functions. And they are just completely beflummoxed as to why it's costing them this much money because of how shitty it is. Not even joking. This is what developers have actually said. They can't understand why it costs so much money considering how terrible it is. But it's costing them billions of dollars per month that they're losing because the metaverse is a failure. It's, it's like this dream of creating Ready Player One is stupid, especially at this point in time with where our, we, we, even where we are de- you know, mentally developed. <laughs> it's too dumb. But Square Enix wants to get involved in this. They want to create NFTs. They want to create NFTs and, and a currency that their players can earn, you know, play to earn. You're going to fucking have a job in a video game environment that will give you money that you can only spend with them. Wait, what? Digital salt mines. That's <laughs> <laughs> basically what it is. It's a digital salt mine. You're, you're, you're a digital coal miner working in a coal mine going down, down, down. Like, is, like what the fuck? Square, are you guys blind to what's going on in the world? Or are you just have, like I, Miles, you said it before. And there was a guy, like you, there, there was a comment you made about, like, could you imagine having on your, on your resume that, or something uh, like you that? You sold, you know, all of your IPs and uh, studios just to uh, make more NFT bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like how, how impressive. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's the, it just makes me think of dodgeball. It's a, <laughs> It's a bold strategy cotton. It's a bold strategy. Yeah, it's a bold strategy cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. I'm going to go with no. I'm going to go with, I think this is going to cost Square Enix more money than the three, $300 million they're, they're going to invest in it. And why do I say that? Because the NFTs, the courts for Ubisoft failed as well. Yep. And that's pretty evident considering Ubisoft is now uh, ditching Ghost Recon, there's a now a, another rumor that Ghost Re- they're not going to go into developing another Ghost Recon right away, uh, which I don't know if that's going to be the case. I think they're going to try and uh, combine Ghost Recon, Watch Dogs, and Assassin's Creed into one universe. I think that's what's going to end up happening. And they're going to try and make their own metaverse so that they can continue to grow NFTs that way. I think that's what's going to end up happening. Uh, cause there's also been another rumor that watchdogs is going to wind down and they're, they're going to put that, that franchise on ice. And I'm like, well, it, I think they're actually just going to combine these things to try and get people to buy into their NFT bullshit and make more money that way. Never mind the fact that the community pretty much overwhelmingly said, fuck your NFTs. We're not buying them. Uh, and then when they shut down the courts project, they then congratulated the idiots who bought anything, which was really just the same weapons you could get just with different skins on them and armor with the same different skins on them that were fucking like one of like 24 and you know, bullshit like that. But they, they, they they sold that shit to people and then they congratulated them for, for being a part of it for the, for, you know, being a part of a, uh, you know, an evolution in gaming for buying those NFTs. That's like congratulating for somebody for just wasting their fucking money. Congratulations for giving us money for fucking nothing. Now here's your product that you can't use because, oh yeah, uh, we're no longer going to be supporting uh, Ghost Recon anymore. And the, all the support for that's cut off. And oh, by the way, when those servers shut off, <laughs> you don't have access to that shit anymore. 
until we decided to bring it into something else or if we even decide to bring it into something else. That's a big if. I mean, we're talking about a company who's, who literally told people, yeah, we're not going to create any content or DLC that's story uh, or required for story and story driven uh, so that you guys don't have to spend extra money. And then immediately reneged on that the very next game. Oh, yeah. With the uh, Valhalla. No, that was with Origins. Origins. They did yeah. that with Origins. They, they sat there and said, oh, we're not going to do that anymore because of what happened with Unity. Uh, they're like, oh, we're not going to do that anymore. We're not going to create DLC that is story driven and is the main way that you experience the end game. And uh, yeah, it, we, we just don't feel that's fair to anybody. And then Origins came out and that's exactly what they did. They ended the game where Origins starts, uh, where, where the actual origin of, of Assassins starts. <laughs> Yeah. They ended the game there, and it was like, "Wait, I thought this was Origins." Yeah. For, for <laughs> I, the like, full ending, you have to go buy the DLC. Uh, so you. yeah, you think they're going to turn around <laughs> and uphold their promise of your NFTs are going to come over to every game we ever make? No, it's not. It's not. And they're already gearing up for failure when it comes to their other IPs that are releasing. But you know what else do they have coming out? Well, people have been waiting for Skull and Bones for fucking ever. And that I guarantee you that's going to be stuffed full with more NFT bullshit or monetization than you than you can even fucking believe. Why? Because it's primarily multiplayer. I fully expect it to be trash. Yeah, it's completely it's completely multiplayer on top of that. Or well, it's primarily multiplayer on top of that. Their single player campaign that they everybody was like, oh, you're going to be able like based off of them showing the area where you could visit the uh, the pirate uh, camp on the island. And purchase things for your ship. Yeah, that's the only place that that exists. I'm losing my voice. Yeah, it's like they took uh, Black Flag and they were like, oh, we can expand this into a much bigger multiplayer game. And then years later, they're like, how can we ruin this? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's what I think about a lot of Ubisoft products anyways. They ruined every Tom Clancy franchise that I liked. So why not just roll it over to everything else? Uh, that's pretty much what they did. That was actually test, you know, a, uh, something that was brought up by a former developer that was working on it and said that that's exactly where it came from was they saw Assassin's Creed three, they saw black flag and they saw, uh, uh, what's the one Anderson, what's the one that you really like that has to do with, uh, rogue. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to leave this as my final part. Connor's father. Get going. Uh, so okay. It's called the Kenway Trilogy is where it ended with, so it goes Assassin's Creed 3, Black Flag, and ends with Rogue. Rogue, that's the one I was talking about. With the so, easy, uh, side story of Ava and the uh, Liberation, and uh, Adewale and uh, his storyline, Freedom Cry. Yeah. So but they I, took the, I gotta get going, the ship mechanics you know. from those. Alright, man. See you, Anderson. Bye. Bye. <laughs> so... They took the, the ship mechanics from those games and they said, all right, fuck it. We're going to make a game off of those. And because people loved them so much and they forgot about the fact that the people like also like exploring the islands and <clears throat> they were, you know, people were upset at the fact that it was only going to be multiplayer at first. So they're like, oh, no, no, no. We're going to make a single player campaign as well. Uh, well, the last time people saw that like actually being displayed was the single player campaign was literally just all on the ship. The only time you leave it is to go to the pirate camps to grab supplies. Aside from that, you're always on the ship in order to get extra supplies or mine supplies. You have to shoot cliff sides of islands. <laughs> you don't get off the ship. You don't visit the islands. You're just always on the ships. That sounds like a terrible game. 
And that sounds exactly like I thought it was going to be back when they first showed it off. Sounds like a mobile of game. How bad it was going to turn into. It does sound like a mobile game, doesn't it? So any any preview that they've given to uh the press and stuff like that, they've all come away with the same impression of like this looks awful. Like what makes you think this is going to be a good game? And those are the things that we don't understand from from these companies like how is it that you see this stuff and you don't realize how terrible of an idea it is? It's like I don't know, uh, Blizzard and Diablo Immortal for a mobile phone that now Blizzard has has backtracked on and said, oh, uh, don't you all have phones? And now they said, oh, yeah, uh, you guys also have PCs and somebody was going to take this and just literally port it. So we're going to go ahead and release it on a PC. Yeah, which is funny because this is literally just a fuck you to the PC crowd. They're like, well, you were going to emulate it anyway. So here, pay us 20 bucks. <laughs> yeah. But uh other other rumors and news was uh you know wb games is supposedly showing their leg as well trying to attract buyers yeah um you know that that would be you know all of their stuff i i that anderson brought up a good point and he's gone now but um if somebody snag snag them up chances are the uh uh the patent for the nemesis system would also be going along with that. So it'd be nice to see if it did wind up in somebody's hands, if they let that go and let, you know, other games, you know, use that concept and, and roll with yeah, it. Or even just a company like Microsoft or Sony that have multiple developers that could use it. Yeah. That'd be kind of, that'd be kind of nice. Yeah. With it being WB, who the fuck knows? <laughs> and for all we know, it's right. going to go fucking 10 cent. If they do do actually follow through with a uh, with a uh, purchase, as far as I know, there hasn't been any actual offers yet per se. I'm sure there probably has been, just nothing stated. Yeah, and I mean, you know, getting back to to Ubisoft on that, Ubisoft also looked like they were preparing for the possibility of selling off their company. Yeah, they said they were uh, with some of the stuff they were doing offers. Yeah, and uh, that's that's interesting. Um, Honestly, I wouldn't mind seeing a better company own them, a company that actually knows what the fuck they're doing. But I said the same thing about Bethesda after uh, Microsoft bought them and Microsoft still has Bethesda using the uh, creation, creation engine. engine so yeah. what the fuck do I know? Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, I'm going to go ahead and, uh, and, and go to the next uh, portion of this since I brought up Bethesda and Microsoft since, you know, Bethesda and Microsoft uh, or Xbox rather, they are preparing for a uh, showing in uh, June 12th. It's expected we'll see, hopefully, Starfield, <laughs> uh, since we haven't seen anything really from that game other than a in-game or in-engine um, trailer. Yeah. Especially after seeing the leaks that were coming through from a uh, QA tester that had gone out of their way and said, you know what? They I am going to say, fuck my indie. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to say, fuck my NDA. I think that people need to hear this. The engine was terrible. Uh, flying wasn't very good. Yeah, I'm, going, I'm I'm trying to go through my notes and see everything <laughs> that they did. Yeah, if you're you're remembering it better than I. Shooting was just uh, okay. You know about what you get from like Fallout Four, which is fine. Missions ultimately. were were plentiful. There was a lot of story there, but uh, and there was a lot to do. And they made the statement of there might be too much to do. Uh, so don't worry about some of the stuff that was being cut out uh, necessarily. Yeah. In other words, they were telling people there's going to be plenty of content there. Uh, so don't worry about things that are getting cut out. But there are definitely issues that are being created by the creation engine too. And keep in mind, the creation engine is based off of the original coding of the game Brio engine, which was 
debuted back in 1997, listeners. Yeah. 1997. That's over 20 years ago. Yeah. So an engine that is over 20 years old and has been built upon, built upon, built upon, and is now this convoluted mess is now creation engine two. And that's the thing that I was saying, like that we, we expected when Microsoft bought them to be like, no, fuck it. You're using unreal engine. We're moving unreal engine five. We're not using your shit that's what anymore. We're hoping for. This, this crappy fucking engine that shouldn't be used anymore. And instead they're going to continue to use the crappy buggy mess. That is the creation engine. Nothing was more evident as to how bad the creation engine was listeners until fallout 76. <laughs> like it was always buggy. Like Bethesda games were always buggy, but they were always playable. Yeah. And they, you know, for the most part, they were enjoyable. You kind of expected that from, from Bethesda games because overall <laughs> the, the majority of the enjoy, the enjoyment was higher than the bugs. Yeah. There's a reason you had multiple saves all the time because you never knew Absolutely. quite when it was going to stab you in the back. <laughs> exactly. And unless, then, unless you're like me and have a uh, very much, <laughs> I'll just do it live attitude and keep one save file. Yeah. And then they, they buy id and they don't use id's engine, which is the one used for uh, Doom, which is, you know, buttery fucking smooth. They don't use Doom's engine for anything they do. And they're like, okay, so why'd you buy Doom? All right, well, you just wanted to make money. Got it. But you're not going to want to screw over their fucking title because you knew that creation engine was shit for that. So at least they were reasonable enough to know, ah, it's not good for this. But at this point, you should know that your, your engine is not good for anything now. Your engine is so fucking old and based off of such old bullshit, your micro, your Windows Vista, your Windows Vista at this point, you're basing your fucking operating system off of, you know, it's an operating system that was based off of code from Windows 98, actually before 98, 95, 95. Yeah. Windows so, 95. And th this, uh, this comparison also holds because there were a diehard group of people that held onto Vista just because they hate change. Yeah. And it seems like that's what they're doing of it sucks. We know <clears throat> it sucks, but we, we kind of know what we're doing with it. So we're just going to hang on to it forever. Yeah. It didn't matter the fact that, you know, windows seven was a better version and a yeah. cleaned up version and a less chunky version. Uh, didn't, it, it didn't involve nearly as much fucking memory and didn't kill your system. Yeah. Right. 11 at least is, rebuilt 11 is a rebuilt operating system so at least microsoft took the step of like we need to create something new we need to create something that actually is a step forward for architecture that's coming up through technology so you'd think the company that did that would go hey bethesda stop using your old shit make something new make something better build it from the ground up or use this because we can afford the licensing for it because we use it with other games but no, instead, they just kind of let Bethesda do whatever the fuck Bethesda does. And uh, I think Starfield is going to be a buggy mess. Probably. I, th I think Starfield is going to be a buggy mess. I think Elden's, or, uh, Elder Scrolls, uh, I almost said Elden, uh, Elder Scrolls 6 is going to be a buggy mess. Yeah, I'd say that hopefully Microsoft would step in on that one. But even Todd Howard was like, yeah, we're going to use the uh, creation engine too. Like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, there's no real hope for that being any better. Yeah. So uh I won't be giving a pre-order for that. Uh for one, it's probably gonna be on Microsoft Game Pass, and I will play it on Game Pass until the first glitch happens, and then I will fucking uninstall that shit immediately. <laughs> I was just gonna say, I the problem <clears throat> is is we know going in they're gonna be glitchy pieces of shit. I give it an hour max. <laughs> oh, I get 
Is that after the better. character I'll... creator? <laughs> yes. <laughs> after the character creator. So an hour max. You're, you're taking the over. I'll take the under on this. Okay. I give it 20. 20 minutes. All right. 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, given the, given the fact that in the past we've seen, uh, the creation engine create, uh, uh, opening sequences where heads spin around like from the thing <laughs> on top of a character's head it's or top, either, top of a character's body. Yeah. I, I think you're pro you're probably, uh, even being too generous there. The, uh, the opening to Skyrim, the first time I played it, the, uh, the guy who, Oh, you're finally awake. The first time I played his head was spinning, spinning around looked like the fucking exorcist. That's right. The first time I ever played, uh, uh, and granted this is a different developer, same engine though. Uh, New Vegas and the guy standing over your bed, his head was spinning, but it wasn't spinning around like his. Oh, it, it was. It was. It was <laughs> rotating in front of me. It was doing <laughs> fucking somersaults, <laughs> and part of his fucking collar was freaking out and looked like fucking spider legs coming out. I was like, "Oh my god, what the fuck is that?" <laughs> I know it's Fallout. The shit out of me. And there's horror involved in that series, just by definition. But that is some creepy sounding shit. Yeah. But yeah, I like it where I was going with this is you know, we we all know going in that they're going to be buggy as fuck, but we're all just going to play them anyways. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I, I mean, just, in this in this case, like it like that was true for that was true for Bethesda in the past, where we were going to buy them and play them anyways. But with Game Pass, it's one of those things. Of like, well, I wouldn't have given this thing money. Like, I honestly would not buy Starfield after my experience with the the experience we ended up having with Fallout seventy six. I. I don't give Bethesda even a fucking chance now. No, with some of the shit that they've they've pulled. We talked about this with uh, <clears throat> I forget what they did with Doom, but I mean they burned up all their goodwill with me. I'm oh, not yeah. going to put money towards it, but if it's on Game Pass, I'll play it. Yeah. Uh, Doom Doom Eternal locking in a a the rest of the story behind a ludicrously difficult DLC. Ridiculous. Like, don't get me wrong. I know going into Doom, the game is going to be difficult. That's one of the few series where I, I play it for the challenge. Yeah. Because that's one of those, you're one man against literal forces of hell. Yeah. It's understood. It's going to be hard. But that DLC went from like a I five. I played Elden Ring and beaten it. <laughs> and I'm complaining about fucking Doom and I can play FPSs way better. Yeah. Well, that's where I was going with this. The difficulty went from like a five to like 15. Yeah. I, there was one room where you had to fight four marauders and there was a buff totem somewhere that if it was locked behind something, but you couldn't take the time to go find it. You had to kill everything and then go find it. Yeah. That's why whenever, whenever I see somebody playing it and they're just ludicrously good in that game and just fucking destroying everything in sight and they're playing on the hardest difficulty, I immediately have doubt. I immediately go, nope, you're cheating. Yeah, there's no there's no way you're doing that legitimately because that is fucking bullshit. There, there's two options there. Either you're cheating or you need to go outside and touch some grass and get some sunlight. <laughs> God damn, you need to you need to have a uh, Stanley Parable experience right now. Uh, get outside. Um, I, I just I just don't have any real faith in what they're going to show, like what they're going to show off to be good. So I'm glad I'm going to have it on Game Pass. I'm going to be able to experience it that way. But if I didn't have Game Pass, I wouldn't even bother. So that should tell you something, listeners. That should tell you exactly what I feel, how I feel about the creation engine and just how bad of an experience that thing, that thing became. Uh, and Miles and I enjoyed playing Fallout 76 to begin with. We enjoyed the exploration parts. Yeah, stuff like that. But it became, yeah, it became so buggy and hard to deal with at points that we were just like, fuck this. Oh, yeah. I'm done. 
I, I can't do this. Like we would have missions glitch out on us where it just wouldn't like things wouldn't populate. Things wouldn't, wouldn't show up. Enemies wouldn't show up. We couldn't figure out what the fuck, like what the fuck is going on. Oh, no, it's just the creation engine Kaizen. Go, you know, leave the game, close it down and hope that it doesn't save this portion of the world. Startling loud gunshots out of fucking nowhere that were like right fucking behind you. (laughs) What the fuck was that? Yeah. Those were like fucking weird moments. Felt like IGP at that point. Just what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. I'll play Starfield. I'm hopeful that it's good, but I, I don't expect it to be flawless by any fucking means. It's the same, same aspect I always have with Ubisoft games now. Like, yeah. yeah, I'm probably going to enjoy it, but it's going to be ultimately it's still not going to be good. You know, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, Ubisoft is it just in general is dead to me. Uh, <clears throat> Assassin's Creed. Granted, the last one I played was uh, whatever one came right after Black Flag. Uh, Rogue. Rogue. Uh, maybe I don't remember, but it, it glitched out so hard. Unity. That- it was Unity, I remember, because... Unity, uh, Unity is the terrible. bastard <laughs> of, fucking, of fucking Ubisoft. God, well, that it, game was trash. The The way that game was treated told me that they didn't care about the franchise anymore. And then uh, Ghost Recon went from, you know, oh man, we're going we're gonna to be this elite squad of, you know, guys fighting, you know, other militaries to, oh, we're going to go fight the cartel. And then, um, fuck, what was the other one? Oh, Rainbow Six hasn't been about, uh, you know, Again, another small team of elite operators fighting, you know, terrorists. military uh, terrorists and shit. <clears throat> it's, oh, you, you're fighting each other in Battle Royale. I walked into uh, GameStop the other week and saw they had the yeah, your SWAT, the stand up of the like the standee <laughs> for the next one. And I asked the person working, I was like, oh, I didn't even know they, they announced a new one. Is this going to be another Battle Royale or are they going back to what Rainbow Six is supposed to be? And they're like, no, nah, it's another Battle Royale. I was like, cool. Uh, Ubisoft is dead to me now. Yeah. They've ruined every franchise for me. Yeah. yeah I'm sick and well, tired of Battle Royales and fucking roguelites. <laughs> yeah, I get that. They're like yeah. everything is I'm tired of, I'm tired of, yeah, nothing, not everything has to be Dark Souls. Not everything has to be a, a uh, a fucking battle royale and speaking of battle royales uh director <laughs> neil blomkamp uh announced his collaboration game that will, people talked about the fact that like listeners if you don't know who he is he's the director of elysium uh district nine and that shitty movie chappie um the only one that i didn't like of his is is chappie that well- that movie was still good, at least visually, though. Oh, visually, it's beautiful. No, fucking, no, no, the story was crap. Fucking story is just trash. But at least it looked good. He had made the announcement a while back that he was teaming up with a developer to create a game. And that game is now announced as Off the Grid, a cyberpunk-style battle royale. And I went, why the fuck are you even attached to this if you weren't involved in any story or anything like that? And all that was being created was a battle royale. It, it's going to have about a, you know, it's going to have about as much story as Fortnite does at this point. So why does this, like, and, and the, on top of that, why is it another battle Royale? We don't need another battle Royale. If you listeners, if you play battle Royales and are into battle Royales, you already have a game. You already have a game to play because you already enjoy doing it. The people who don't play battle Royales don't play battle Royales for a fucking reason. And this is not going to get us to play. What is this for? Who is this for? 
You're going to be able to pull everybody from PUBG into this. You're going to be able to pull everybody from Warzone into this. You're going to be able to pull everybody. You maybe you'll get the Battlefield crowd. <laughs> Since, you know, EA can't get that, can't get that off the ground. Maybe that's it. Maybe the, this is going to get the Battlefield crowd. Right. Hopefully that's what you're going for because you're not going to pull anybody from Fortnite. You're not going to pull anybody from from PUBG. You're not going to pull anybody from Warzone. You're not getting anybody else from any other battle royale because they already have their game. You're not pulling anybody from Overwatch. They're already in it. Speaking of which, Overwatch 2 uh, has been played by a lot of people, and the majority of players have said the same thing. Uh, now that it's 5v5, it's not making the game better. Uh, it just removes another player from the game. And just like we said, uh, some teams are already struggling with the fact that they have to get rid of a teammate in order to do that for their uh, esports teams. And on top of that, the Majority of players have said it just feels like a DLC. Overwatch 2 should have been just a DLC. It should have just been a DLC pack of, we're expanding our game, here's the DLC. That's it. It should have gone to a games as a service model for that aspect alone, just because that's what you had built. You weren't going to start creating story. There's no real story missions in it. So why the fuck is this, like, why is this even being considered of making an Overwatch 2? That fucking Call of Duty figured it out finally. Call of Duty finally figured it out when, hey, we should just make Warzone. <laughs> we should just have Warzone. And that's the game that that our multiplayer crowd goes to. We should not worry about introducing new multiplayer into every single iteration of Call of Duty. Now I'm hoping they get the clue of like, oh, you know what? We should just separate our campaign game from the rest of it and just make our campaign game 40 bucks six hours to play through 40 bought $40 is a little overpriced in my opinion, but still takes a lot to develop that stuff. And I'm willing to say, yeah, you know what? $40. I'll, I'll consider it for a single player campaign when your multiplayer is considered separately. Cause I'm tired of these 200 fucking gigabyte downloads for, 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 yeah. for me to play the fucking single player campaign because it's attached to your fucking Warzone shit. Because the single player, for some reason, half the time doesn't fucking work correctly. The fucking, you know, trying to go through the campaign doesn't work correctly unless you have all the assets from Warzone in there. Fucking ridiculous. But at least they figured out that Warzone is where it's at. And we're just going to keep updating that and keep updating that with seasons and have season passes and stuff like that. Whereas Blizzard's still trying to key, catch up, which makes no fucking sense because you're both owned by the same fucking company. <laughs> And, you know, EA could win a lot of their Battlefield gamers back with one move. Yeah. And let me let me lay this out real quick. So you go back to uh, take Battlefield 4's architecture. Okay. Because Battlefield 4 was functional and fun. It worked. It, it worked well <clears throat> for what it was on top of it. And you just give us uh, 2143. Mm. Because if you get on uh, any like the the battlefield subreddits or you know the forums and s just bring up twenty one forty two, and a lot of people will immediately say, "Yeah, if they do another one, I'll buy it." Yeah, uh, I'm one of those people. Yeah, twenty one forty two was a great game on PC. It was fantastic. It, the funny thing is, is, if you get on, like, there's still people playing it. That, yeah. that should tell nothing you. is more horrifying than walking around a corner and even having a entire group with you. And all of a sudden you hear a fucking mech. Exactly. Spool up and you're like, Oh shit. Yeah. As, as soon <laughs> this as it's going to go bad, as soon <laughs> as it goes bad real quick. 
hear those cannons start to spool up. You're like, yeah. oh, we're all screwed. Yep. So I just bring that back. I I wasn't the only one that when I saw the announcement for 2042 mm-hmm. immediately got excited because well, I messaged you like guys. a lot of people like, yeah, a lot of people misread that and thought it was 2142. And I was like, and you said like you talked about it and I was like, you mean 2142? And you went shit. Yeah. The second I said that, like, it was like I crushed your dreams without even trying. <laughs> and usually I relish that stuff because it's funny. But not in this but situation. But not in this instance because I know how much you love that game. And I was like, well, it and, and I would have been excited for it had it been that. Yeah. It's, so it, just go back to what worked. I don't understand why these companies think that they have to keep up with the new trends. I don't yeah. go to play Battlefield because I want to play a Battle Royale. I want to play yeah. Battlefield. Exactly. And speaking of, uh, 2042 2042 recently they finally got their their scoreboard in there that barely works apparently barely functions and i just i see them fumbling over the over this one game and i'm just like god it makes me question how inexperienced are your developers that are that are having to work on this and on top of this is this only their fault or is it their fault or, or is it part of the part of the fault is their inexperience with the frostbite engine that has had issues ever since day one that it was try that they tried to take it out of battlefield to begin with. And in this case, listeners, the people who are working on it is a new development team. Why wasn't this being handled by dice prime? What the hell are they working on? I, I want to know, like what, what were they working on that made it so that you could take the entire development team that worked on battlefield, the battlefield franchise, and you put them on something else. I, I would love to hear that story. So what led to that dumb decision? Yeah, I, I, that's one just I don't understand CEOs, at man, all. They just they all fail upwards, all of them. Just all fucking. I don't understand how you can be this dumb and how you can be this un like inadequate to do your job. Well, that's something that I don't understand in this. Not the developers, just the people in leadership. How are you this stupid? How do you not listen to what your fan base wants? This is kind of like we were talking about. Uh, oh, it's it, because it, for them, and I can tell you that really simple because I've heard, I've encountered this so many times in marketing. Of it's not about what you want; it's about what we think you want. It's about what we know you're going to want. Well, That's, I've literally had conversations with with people in marketing about this and gone, "The fuck are you smoking?" Like you, you marketing works the same way as anything else, and in, in the world of supply and demand, you look at what people want. This is how this is how old school marketing has always worked. You look at what people want and you provide that. Well, in marketing, you look at what they want, you find the products they want, and you promote the shit out of that. Those are the clients that you want, or the or the clients that have products that people want, not the clients that. Well, I'm making a you you literally in marketing don't want the clients that are like I'm making something new and innovative because it's so un. There's no uh, guarantee behind it. Every now and then, don't get me wrong. Let's just every now and then you have the, the lightning strike. Like, oh, this is a product people want. People have wanted this for years and it has done well and it has now taken off like Tesla. At the time, like, fuck, I, I bagged on Tesla for years because and part of that had to do with just the, the environment. Listeners, part of it had to do with the environmental implications of what batteries do. But we, <laughs> we're not going to get into that conversation. But I bagged on the fact like nobody wanted this. Nobody needed this at the time. However. It has done more for the, you know, the climate change cause than any other, than really any other company. And on top of that, it's owned by someone who has pushed for 
in the improvement of and the trying to do the furthership of human or human humankind that's his biggest goal is his biggest dream is try to push humans to do more and do more and, and reach higher heights it's not like it's there's nothing in it for him he's making money off of it obviously he's one of the richest men in the world for a reason but it led to him being able to support spacex and all this stuff those are the kind that's the that's that lightning strike that a marketing team gets a hold of and goes oh shit we've we're going to make gangbusters off of this because of this because it's done so well yeah but that's what they look for. They think in marketing, they think every product now is going to be that way. Oh, this is something that they don't, that nobody asked for or needed, but we're going to, we're going to make sure that they need it. And game companies were the exact same way of nobody asked for this. Nobody wanted this, but we're going to give it to you. Battle Royale. Nobody wanted it. Nobody needed it. But somebody, somebody went, oh, well, you know, we could create Hunger Games as a game. And it's basically what Battle Royale is, listeners. Is Hunger Games. We could create that as a game and we'll see if people want it. For Fortnite, it was a fucking afterthought. Battle Royale was not the main focus of Fortnite, listeners. That's why Cliff Blazinski was pissed off when they took it away from him. And yeah. then and then when they when they took it away from him, they threw Battle Royale in there as just a free mode for people to play. And what became the primary focus? Oh shit. People love this. They didn't promote it, they didn't push it. But suddenly everybody wanted that. Yeah, like I their player base grew because of it. Fortnite was supposed to have a story at one point. Yep. But that's what they do is they turn around and EA has this has had this mentality, I think, longer than most. EA and Activision of we're going to create something that nobody asked for and nobody wanted, but we're going to tell you guys that you want it. And that's then that's it. You're you want this. You don't want what you've had. You want this. The only problem is, is that they're now applying it to things that we've already had. And listeners, don't get me wrong. There's room for innovation. There's room for pushing the envelope on trying to increase the abilities of like, you know, games and stuff like that and creating new things. But the thing is, is it's very rare for those things to pick up and take off. But every game company thinks that all of them are going to do this with every single thing they do. And then they turn around and ruin active franchises trying to do that. That's why we ended up with uh, that whole stint of every game having to have multiplayer. I mean, that's what caused extra development time that could have gone into the mass effect storyline for mass effect three and they put it into multiplayer this is what happens is they they find something that goes oh it's it's something that's taken off it's it's a niche that everybody's trying to pick up on so we should do the same thing and instead of focusing on the game that they've been making or the game that they were going to make they turn around and try to do something else like something that was thrown in like what was in fortnite fortnite was something new and they threw in uh, Battle Royale as a mode, and it took off. But they got away with it because it was new. But the problem that we're having is that they think that everything's going to do that. They think that everything that already has modes, that already has games, that already has you know a franchise established, is going to take off and do that. Call of Duty ended up pushing multiplayer so much that they ended up getting rid of their single-player campaign for a full game. And it turned out that was a bad idea because one, the multiplayer wasn't very good and it wasn't very well thought out. And two, they were still charging $60 for it. They kind of learned their lesson and went, oh, well, we should actually make a full game and then put Battle Royale around that. And then we'll, we'll build off the Battle Royale with season passes. I have to give credit where credit's due. The developers for Call of Duty have really created something there and they've, they've gone the right path of how that was going to evolve. But you have other games that are just trying to shove it in there. We're trying to force it. We've never done this before, but we're going to force it anyways.
we've had things that worked. We had things that were good. We had things that, that we loved experiencing, but instead they're going to say, no, 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 no. You don't want that anymore. You want the new, new, you want that new, new so bad that you're going to pay us for it. And that's how they think it works. And they're shocked anytime we go, fuck you. Yeah. And I mean, it's like I said, if EA wants the, a good chunk of their gamers back, they'll, they'll get us 2143 <clears throat> okay. and Titanfall 3. Yeah. At the very least, if they're not going to do anything with Titanfall, they need to sell the IP to someone else who will do something with it. Bad company. Trick. I agree. <laughs> yeah, that, dude bat, like you know you know what's funny is you bring that up when they had that dlc trailer that released and they sh- they were putting in assets from battle or from bad company 3 people were losing their shit thinking that bad that bad company 3 was going to be a thing nope and then when they found out the asset there was just assets from it the grenade and stuff like that and characters their players went oh well fuck you then yeah. and that's the thing is like in ea and these companies can't figure out why are they saying, why are they getting mad at us? Why aren't they playing our game? Well, because you didn't give us what we wanted. You gave us something else. It's like with Anthem. They couldn't figure out why we didn't like it. How could you not figure that out? It was a failed fucking experiment that you, that you made us pay for. Some of us more than others. Yeah. Square is like Square and then Square Enix tries to do the same thing. They try to implement their own fucking games as a service model and can't figure out why isn't this working? It's not a good game. You're not giving people what they wanted. People saw platinum games and thought they were getting platinum games. Instead, they got a piece of shit. And you're, you're fucking beflummoxed at the fact that we don't like it? Well, it's like I told what? you for a long time, the moment I saw a Platinum's game logo in a trailer, that was an instant buy for me. It didn't matter what game it was. I was buying it. Yeah. And, and then I, I don't know at what point that changed, but it's like Konami. That- yeah, Konami couldn't figure out why people didn't want to play Metal Gear Su- or Metal Gear Survive because it's not what we wanted. Yeah, like how how are you? How are you companies so dumb? How are you this stupid? Just infinitely idiotic. Well, in the fact that you don't understand that when your customer base sits there and says, "Ah, that's the same as everything else." Ah, that's that's the same as this. I don't want this. I'll just go play this. I already have what I wanted. And you can't figure out why it's not selling like gangbusters. You can't figure it's, it's like when the, when every fucking shooter that came out was like, Oh, it's the halo killer. And you can't, they can't figure out why did, why it doesn't beat halo because it's not halo. That's why it doesn't win. We already have halo. Well, and I think part of the reason why amazing, I'm not saying that they should never make first person shooters. Just go in, don't go in there with the mindset of we're going to beat this. We're going to be the next big thing. Go in there with the mentality of we just want to make a good experience and ha- and people to have fun. And that's all our goal is. We want to make a good finished game, a good finished product. But that's not what they do. Well, and I think going back to Metal Gear Survive, why that one tanked was majority of the Metal Gear fan base. As yeah. soon as they took all of the rights <laughs> away from Kojima. Oh, yeah. As soon as that happened, and I'm saying this out of personal experience, uh, they said, oh, we're kicking Kojima off of his own project and we're keeping the rights because fuck that guy. All of us, with very few exceptions, said, ah, I'm not touching it then. Yep. Uh, the only game, the only Metal Gear game that I played that didn't have him attached to it was Rising, and that was a Platinum game, like a Platinum's game yeah. So that's why I touched that <clears> one. <throat> also, that game was just fucking awesome anyways. <laughs> but 
Yeah, as soon as they kicked him off of it and said, oh, we're we're keeping the rights to Metal Gear and uh, he can go pound sand, everyone was just like, well, I'm not touching it then. Right. So, I don't know. I, that's another company that needs to... They need to sell him Metal Gear back. I I, still, I would actually love to see that. I want to see I would love to see his company buy that. Buy that IP. I Absolutely. just want to see an end of Metal Gear Solid Five. Yeah. That was an awesome first half of a game. We're talking about, you know, we're, we're currently talking about a company that doesn't even understand what fans wanted when they heard uh, that the Castlevania uh, anniversary is coming up. And what they tried to do is sell us in a taste instead of <laughs> instead of announcing a new game, which is what everyone was thinking like, or, oh, or a collection of games that was like, oh, it's, it's going to be the, the anniversary edition collection. We're going to release it or we're going to remaster something or anything like that. Nope. Here's NFTs. Thanks for 20 years or thanks for, for, for what? 30 years, 30 year anniversary. It was either 30 or 35. Can't remember. It might be 35. Um, but Um, yeah, I I remember the rumors flying around about that because you know, the, even like the PS2 era Castlevania games were still awesome. Dude, even the ones that came out on PS3. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. All they had to do was pick one. It doesn't matter which one, just pick one and say, Hey, we're remastering this for the 35th anniversary. Yeah. Look, gonna, at that. Look at that! You're you're gonna make money hand over fist. Yeah, it, because all Fuck, of, you probably would have had people go. Konami is back, like doing shit like that. Exactly. But nope. This is the stuff where I'm just like, who who are running these companies? Like, do you not have one logical bone in your body? We need the is Fox the engine for pachinko machines. <laughs> not not actual games, but cutscenes on pachinko machines. Like, so. All right. Yeah, we're gonna do, we're gonna use the Fox engine for fucking pachinko. All I mean, right, well, gambling machines, yay! This this is what drives me nuts: is you have a very dedicated fan base who, if Kojima were to say, "Hey, I'm gonna spend all of my company's money to buy back Metal Gear Solid or the uh, the Metal Gear franchise and the Fox engine yeah. from Konami," and I guarantee you, people would be starting up Kickstarters for it. I, I would throw stupid amounts of money at that. Yeah. So. Speaking of uh, decisions and, and things that make you go, what the fuck is going on? The uh, supply chain issues that have been going on for the past few years uh, have been ramping up in talks right now. And uh, the sad news is that some of the news that's kind of, or some of the things that are being talked about is stuff from like Intel CEO uh, and Nintendo's brought this up now of supply chain issues are going to be a problem up to 2024 if not through 2024 listeners it's 2022 that means over that means it, it, at the least another year and a half possibly of having issues of trying to get consoles trying to get any equipment gpus cpus cars are missing chips that i shit you not ford companies like that honda are selling cars that are missing features with the promise of when we get the chips in, we'll add this feature in after you've bought the car. Which is causing a lot of people's used cars to be valued at more than what they paid for. Yep. <laughs> my my car, my fucking my fucking WRX is worth more now than what I paid for it. Yeah. Don't Crazy. get me wrong, it's been tempting to sell it. <laughs> but then I see the issues that they're having with just regular vehicles getting the the features that they normally would have in them, and I go, "No, nah, I'm good. I will drive that thing into the ground." This is this is kind of 
causing a massive uh, problem. And I mean, it's already caused a massive problem, I should say. But uh, this has led to like further speculation that more and more uh, current gen games because of this uh, issue are going to start getting ported over to last generation consoles and are going to start getting ported over to PC. Um, we're talking like uh, like Forspoken, which is already going to be available on PC, mind you, listeners. But Forspoken was only going to be a current gen title that was going to be available only on PS5 and Xbox Series. But they're now looking at there. There's now a possibility that they're looking at. All right, well, we have to make sure this is playable on PS4 because we're not going to. There's no way we're going to hit our sales. So this is this is brought a lot of speculation as to what's going to happen as games go further and whether whether or not they're going to start having to cater towards putting things on PC because PCs are more readily, readily available. There's more of them in the world than there are consoles. So there's got to be people out there that can play them, right? You know, play these games. So we might need to start making our games available, more available on PC. That includes Sony. That includes, you know, Microsoft has already been on this track listeners. They've already figured this out. I'm like, Oh shit, we actually need to make sure that, you know, these games are available on PC as well. It's why they did what they did. A smart decision. Sony is just now starting to figure this out. So we'll see how things go. That brings me to talking about the, uh, the final thing, which is uh, tech companies and NVIDIA and how uh, apparently NVIDIA failed to report to their shareholders that the majority of their revenue, listeners, I say majority, not minority, majority of their revenue actually came from earnings uh, of selling graphics cards to crypto miners, not gamers, as they kept reporting over and over and over again and telling the rest of us that we were just butthurt assholes because they couldn't meet demand. No, turned out we were right. The reason why they couldn't meet demand was because they were selling them to crypto miners and scalpers. That's the main reason why you couldn't get a GPU for an entire, for over a year. Still can't. You can now. They're starting, supplies getting, getting normalized for those. I've been able to fly, find many of them at retail. Really? On Amazon. Really? Oh, yeah. We're going to have to have a talk after the podcast then. Yeah. The, the, I mean, uh, here's the thing. AMD, their, the Radeon cards have been at retail for the last three months. Really? Yeah. Um, hmm. but it's not the latest generation, but here's the thing with supply chains that that next generation is going to have a tough time meeting any demand, especially if cryptocurrency is going to be, if crypto miners are going to still be involved in the game. And that's the thing that got Nvidia caught up is the fact that they are now being fined as a resolution to not doing this, they're having to give $5.5 million as a penalty back to their, their shareholders because of this. And uh, the reason for it being a problem with shareholders is the fact that NVIDIA uh, have created a point of uncertainty for the future of their graphics cards, the future growth. They have no guarantee that crypto miners are going to continue to buy these cards. So they have before game, like if the gaming community, if the gaming community were the majority of the, the card owners, these graphic card owners, they could say it's a clearly it's a growing industry. We're going to continue to be able to meet demand. And as we go in the future, this is just going to get bigger. They can take, they can tell them that because it's guaranteed. Crypto mining is not a guarantee. You have no idea if a crypto mining craze is going to be big or if it's going to just fizzle out and die. Well, and that's right the thing is it, we're, we're a consistent, uh, consumer base. We need upgrades every like two to five years, maybe, maybe every year, if you've got that kind exactly. of disposable income, 
But I guarantee you, whenever this uh, crypto bubble pops, those guys aren't going to be buying any of this yeah, shit. Exactly. Anymore. And when they go to the next the next GPUs that come out, you'll know. Like this, this proves listeners that Nvidia did not give a shit about the gamers because they consistently kept this under the carpet and kept telling us that, oh no, no, that's not the case. Most of it's just demand, and most of it's the gamers. That's a fucking bullshit lie. And NVIDIA got called on it finally because they found out, oh yeah, actually you've been lying the entire time. Your growth in the GPU market has been, has been primarily for cryptocurrency. It's primarily from scalpers who most of them sold to crypto miners as well. So when you go forward into this next generation, if you don't have immediately graphics cards available at a low hash rate, after you've created low hash rate cards now, you are proving exactly what we all thought. That your main concern was selling to crypto miners and the rest of us can go get fucked. And I think that's exactly what's going to happen. I think the first card you see on the market is going to be a, is not going to be a limited hash rate. It's going to be exactly what it is. Or it will come out, here's the other thing, or it will come out simultaneously with a crypto mining card. That is the exact same GPU, only unlocked for the crypto miners. That's what you'll see. You'll see they absolutely want to continue to ride that wave of crypto miners and continue to make money, even though there's no guarantee of growth. And that's the thing that shareholders are worried about is because since it's not a consistent market, since it's not a consistent you know, uh, customer base, they can't guarantee that it's going to continue to grow. It's going to continue to, to just get this good for them. It's going to continue to, to sell like crazy. So there's no guarantee with the 40 series for them as they look forward. So they have no idea what they're, what, how many they're going to, they're, they're going to need to manufacture for one, or even with the, and with the shortage, whether or not they're going to be able to manufacture as many as they need to match that customer base as well as ours. And all this is telling me is I'm never going to buy an Nvidia card ever again. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, I, I don't, don't get me wrong, listeners. I don't know what AMD's numbers on this are or whether or not they've done something similar, but NVIDIA is the one that's making news with it. They're the ones that are having like, and $5.5 million is nothing to them, but it's still a penalty that they're having to pay to their shareholders because they lied to them. There, there's no, there's no accountability with these companies. They don't give a shit. I'm guaranteeing that AMD did something similar on some level, but obviously not to the level that, you know, NVIDIA just did. Yeah. I, and I get it. They're a business. They want to go where the money is, but don't, don't lie to everybody about it. Yeah, absolutely. So anyways, listeners, that's, that's all I have for the news this week. I know we went long, but it's been two weeks. Sorry. This is what's going to happen as we go by week or, you know, bi-weekly, but here's the upside is that the podcast is, you know, probably going to be under three hours hopefully when I'm done. Uh, and we've covered a lot of stuff and we've gotten to talk about a lot of stuff. We've gotten to have good conversations over ridiculous bullshit and we've gotten to give you a little bit more information as to how we see things and and all that shit on everything else that's going on so anything else to cover this week we got reviews and stuff anderson's going to do his own recordings for me on the the reviews he was going to give and uh, i'll be able to put that in at the end do you guys have anything else to cover for you know games comics anime whatever due to my issues with crunchyroll and everything i haven't really been watching any anime i gave you uh i think i gave you guys a recommendation for a, a good 
uh, Mecha series. Mm-hmm. If you guys wanted to watch that, <clears throat> but I haven't touched any of those apps. Gotcha. Um, yeah, the only thing that I got going on right now is uh, you guys know that I build uh, Warhammer models. Yeah. Uh, Warhammer Fest is this week, and they just did a shitload of uh, reveals for models coming out at the end of the year. But nice. I, I know that really only affects me because I Are like- you still looking at getting the 3D printer so you can do some of that stuff? Uh, Yourself? that was, that was more for, uh, battle tech. Oh, okay. Um, and, uh, well, now that we're probably going to be doing a virtual tabletop instead of actual tabletop, yeah. it was going to be for D and D. Um, I'm still looking, but that's more of, I got to wait until I get a house just because it, getting, <laughs> getting a resin printer, the, the fumes are actually insanely toxic. So I'd have to oh, like sure. leave it in the garage, Yeah, but I don't have a garage. So. Right. that's gonna have to wait um i i bought um i think it was uh there's a new warhammer game that just came out it's uh let me look up the is title i think it's like chaos one? gate yes chaos gate. um it's actually pretty good yeah it looked pretty good uh i i played for a couple hours last night it's kind of like uh xcom it's good i i'm enjoying it a lot you don't have any of the bullshit XCOM mechanics of here's a 99% hit and you'll still miss. Um, It plays a lot more aggressively. It's a weird balance of you get rewarded for playing aggressively. Yeah. But also the computer will punch you in the dick for playing too (laughs) aggressively. So here's your punishment. Yeah. It's like, Oh, you bit off more than you can chew. Half your squad is dead in one, one turn. Gotcha. So it's been an interesting balance. I only got to play a couple hours last night after work, but all right. Um, I recommend it at least for like a, you know, give it a shot. Yeah. Cause I know I'm really the only Warhammer fan in the group, but, uh, if, if you like, you know, if you like tactics games then yeah, it's totally worth it. Check out. All right, cool. So for games, I got done playing this week, the Nintendo switch sports, which is the spiritual successor to the Wii sports series. Overall, it's pretty entertaining. It's pretty fun. Uh, worth every penny if you like that franchise. It's a good party game for the system itself. Keeps you active. It's not as clunky as the previous motion controls in the other games. So I recommend it. And if you like that entire franchise or new party game for your Switch. We all bought the Stanley Parable. Yeah. yeah. Ultra Deluxe. Uh, haven't gotten to uh, fire that one up yet. Probably uh, do that tonight. The new stuff is a lot of fun. That, it's I, very funny. I've seen a little bit here and there of some of the new stuff. So I'm looking forward to it. Like I said, I'll yeah. probably be on tonight. And if you owned it before listeners on steam, they did discount your price for you, which is which awesome is nice. because I mean, the game is worth the full price anyways. Oh yeah. Like, I, it to me. Absolutely. Yeah. But getting on and seeing that I got a discount because I own the original, that was just icing on the cake. Yeah. But miles got to experience it for the first time. And I got to ask, <laughs> what are your thoughts? Oh, it, it's, it's hilarious. It's funny. Uh, I, I, at first, I was like, "Okay, yeah, it's it's a fun little brain tease game." I was like, "You know, it's 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 cool," and then I got to the points where I could take the bucket with me everywhere, and I lost my shit. <laughs> yeah, Stanley Parable Two changes everything. Yeah, <laughs> uh, the, there's a, there's a lot of really funny funny dialogue, especially when when it comes to that. So I, yeah. I still haven't gotten uh, all of the. Uh, realistic endings. Yeah, I, you said there's some. Yeah, the the, the fully fledged out endings. Yeah. Some of them were like what, what what they would consider like uh, essentially would would consider just uh, 
story endings to like the the fulfillment of a certain storyline yeah. and then you get the ending and then, so and then only, you can move on i only have rest, a couple uh, more the, that uh, i can the rest of the level but kind of truly get i think yeah um but it's it's <clears> been fun uh I, I haven't gotten back to it in a little while um but i i got it i think for like 28 bucks i think is what it was on xbox and yeah i think i think that's my, what it is after tax yeah i certainly got my money's worth out of it already so yeah um yeah it's a it's a fun game and it's it's especially the it's a game that's great listeners on the simple fact that you can leave it you can come back to it later and it'll it, regardless of what you do it will feel like another fresh experience it, it's just funny yeah it's it's that much fun unless you're trying to go for the uh the go outside achievement yeah which gets which- now which now apparently in the ultra deluxe edition you have to wait 10 years to replay the game or you can do what a lot of other people done and just, you know, change your clock. See, I'm, I'm trying to go for the original legit because I'm over halfway there. I'm curious if the 10 year one, if you change the clock, if he comments on it. <laughs> I guess I, I, there has to be something. I mean, <laughs> yeah, because there's no like I don't see any other reason why they would make it 10 years to change it from five to 10 years. There's got to be a comment on there because when you come back from the five year one, he just basically makes a comment like oh welcome back it's been a long time like he he basically knows you've been gone for five years yeah but i'm curious if it this after hearing about the amount of people who did the clock trick for it like listeners i did it legitimately on accident (laughs) (laughs) apparently but uh because i i just let the game go for a long time and and when i came back to it he makes a comment i'm curious if this one if this one he comes back he's like come on (laughs) 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 like knows you haven't been gone for 10 years and and just gives you they just give you the achievement regardless but if it's just some funny conversation i'd imagine there's something especially after the skip after the skip button (laughs) after the skip button it's got to be something or you go back change uh, your clock back and you look you lied to me (laughs) (laughs) that would be great because if if you look at the uh the steam achievements at least i don't know if it tells you on xbox but there's a large percentage of people that already have that achievement Oh yeah. So I guarantee you that some like a bunch of people already went in and you know, oh, I'll just change my clock and yeah. So I'd be surprised if there wasn't some kind of dialogue, especially if you, you know, skip forward 10 years and then immediately go back. I I'd, I'd be shocked if there wasn't some kind of oh, you lying son of a bitch. Right? <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. Um other than so, that, yeah, listeners definitely a buy. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Other than that, uh I've played uh, a bit of a uh, couple game pass games lost in random. Um, that one's been a lot of fun. I haven't finished it, but I've gone through a lot of it. I think I'm getting sort of close to the end. Uh, yeah, it's been a great game. Uh, it's very different uh, when it comes to battle mechanics. It's a little sluggish, which okay. is annoying, but it's not, it's not dark soul sluggish. <laughs> uh, okay. yeah. It's basically like a, a Tim Burton esque, uh, feel on like a, like a Alice game. It's it's pretty cool. It's pretty neat. I, I really dig the design on it. Um, yeah, it looked really good. That one had been sitting on my list for a while. I was really pleased to see it come to uh, EA Play. You know, through Game Pass. Yeah, uh, obviously. Um, but yeah, I, I haven't haven't had a chance to start it yet because I had been trying to fi- desperately been trying to finish up uh, Elden Ring, and then lately I've just been kind of not really feeling like playing because I've been under the weather and all that shit. I've been not really feeling like playing games. So I've literally just been pulling up Elden Ring and doing 
monotonous grinding for runes for no fucking reason other than the fact that it's easy and it's it's something i can listen to you know books or something like that on the side while i do that so uh the other game i i just recently started playing is called uh, sleeper citizen um it's a really cool like basic mostly text-based uh rpg um set in space it's got a really cool feel to it but it is a, it is a lot of reading so if if you can't handle that in games, then I, I wouldn't recommend it. But it is on Game Pass, and I've it's intriguing to me. I I really dig space uh, stories, so uh, it's so far it's pretty cool. Um, nice. Kind of seems like one of those ones that probably spun off from like a mobile game idea, but you know yeah. one that isn't sit there and littered with like microtransactions or anything. Gotcha. Okay. So, um, then that's, I think that's about it. All, all I've been playing. So the only thing, other thing I would have is, uh, that's my take on Moonfall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Listeners, we're going to really quick to just get that one out of the way. Listeners, we are going to have to do a riff on that one where, where we watch a movie with you and you time, we, we time it and set it up and, and you click with us and we, just joke and bag on it and have a good time. Cause that movie is it's, it's terrible, but I love it, <laughs> but I could not shut up through the entire film. <laughs> Dude, so the way this went was, uh, I remember seeing you talking about it in the group chat and you, you kept talking about this movie and I finally chimed in and I was like, so what's it like? And you're like, Oh dude, it's kind of like a sci-fi movie. So that automatically yeah. told me I needed to go rent yeah, it's it. It's like watching a movie from the sci-fi channel. Here's but, the thing, but with, with Hollywood production value. And that's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. This is a movie. If sci-fi channel had access to higher tier actors yeah. and better budget for CG. Yeah. Because it's a perfect mix of garbage and fun. Yeah. Minus vehicle like, scenes. I, those are still fucking terrible. <laughs> those are those, the, it's, the long, it's the longest Lexus ad I've ever seen in my life. Right. <laughs> to the point where like that, that was, did you laugh your ass off when he literally calls out a fucking feature on the vehicle? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The going into the sport mode. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? It was so ridiculous. Oh my God. And you know, the, the worst part is, is <laughs> the I, Lexus SUV. So they leave it open for a sequel and I really hope yeah. we get one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm hoping they get that. We get one in it's Lexus in space. Oh, <laughs> that'd be awesome. <laughs> Lexus ships. Not only that, it, not only is it open for a sequel, but I hope I, I know it's going to suck if they do it, but I still want it. I want one. I, I want a prequel. <laughs> <laughs> you, you mean the better version of Halo than, yes. than Halo? Uh, yeah, listeners, that's the saddest part. It does a better job at recreating things like story and things from Halo than the Halo Paramount movie series, television series, not movie series. And what's funny is, like, Loach was like, this thing's like the Covenant. I was like, no, it's more like the Didac, you know, was battling ancient humans, gets put to sleep. Bat continues battling their the descendants of ancient humans <laughs> in in this and he he dude he writes back he goes oh shit he's like oh my god you're right it's better halo <laughs> yeah goes to sleep and still wakes up pissed off so right i don't know i i liked on the uh the space shuttle they still they left all the graffiti on it yeah 
<laughs> I don't know. I'm kind of liking it. It's growing. It's on growing me. on me. That was funny as shit. It, it was funny though because you could tell there were parts of the script where they actually cared, mm-hmm. and then there were sections where you're like, ah, uh, they had an intern write this while they were on yeah. lunch. Right. <laughs> that was one of those movies that got yeah. better. Oh, a- after you got further and further into it, because like oh, the, yeah. the first Definitely. hour of it, you're like, yeah, okay, all right, this is this is fine, and then it gets progressive. It just amps everything up. I'm like, okay, this is fun now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it starts out like all the all like I literally sat there. I was like, they could have cut out all of the human relationship bullshit and it still would have been a great movie. Yeah, I was like, so I'd prefer an edit without the without the I care about my son. I care about this. I'm like, I don't give a shit about any of this. Yeah. I think your son should go to jail. <laughs> so, yeah, I uh, I rented it that I don't night. Care if he has daddy issues. And then I went back and bought it afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, and I think currently it's on sale for ten bucks on Voodoo. I mean, I paid full price for it, and um, I'm still happy yeah, with my I'm, purchase. I'm still it happy was, with my purchase, so I have no problem with it. If you know going in, it's going to be kind of a shitty movie. It's it's a blast. Yeah, I loved it. It's going to be a fun riff. So let's look for that in the in the near future, listeners. We'll probably take a a weekend instead of doing a podcast. We'll do the riff track. We'll do the uh, the riff cast, and uh, uh, that'll be the uh, watching movies with the geek out heroes ones. If you haven't seen or if you haven't listened to us do the watching movies with the Geek Out Heroes, you should definitely go back and look through our old podcasts and and find those specific episodes. They're the specials, uh, but there those are a lot of fun. It's literally just you watching a movie with us <laughs> and the shit that comes out of our mouths and the stuff that we laugh at. All right, and Anderson got to go see Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, so here's his review on that. I just got done watching Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. I went in with very low expectancies. I ended up enjoying the movie quite well. Uh, as you watch the movie, you realize who the main bad guy is, but the trailers do not show it off at all. So it was a nice surprise for a different kind of villain that we really haven't gotten in the movies of the MCU. I fully believe it can, this movie could... If they went off just this kind of base storyline and followed these characters, they could probably keep the MCU going. For the entire movie, you could definitely tell it was directed by Sam Raimi, and the music was done by Danny Elfman. Uh, there's a fun cameo in there by Bruce Campbell. If you're a huge Sam Raimi fan, you know who that is. This movie I enjoyed quite a bit, just because it was nice to see Doctor Strange take role and do his thing. Uh, you get a little bit of a, probably like a five minute scene that has some modern politics in it, but doesn't take away from the story too much. I think it's worth the movie ticket. I think this should be seen in theaters, just because the amount of crazy magical shit that goes down it throughout the entire movie there is two after credit scenes like every ever marvel movie give it a shot if you want i think it's a good start for the summer blockbusters all right listeners so that was anderson's take on dr strange i don't know if i'm going to agree with him or not we'll see i am going to use one of my free tickets to go see it and hopefully it'll you know hopefully i'll come away and go all right well that was worth my worth my money so i will give you my take on it when we come back uh for the next podcast And hopefully my review will ring true with his and I won't have anything else to say other than, yeah, it was good. So we'll see. So uh, I also watched, um, I want to get this right, The Bubble. I think that's what it's called. Oh, the Netflix movie? Yeah. Yeah. So there's two movies that came out on Netflix that are both Bubble. One's The Bubble and the other one's just Bubble. One's an anime and I'll get into the anime stuff when we go, if we go into any of the anime stuff, but the bubble, uh, was a movie with, um, Jordan, Michael key, Jordan, Michael key. 
Yeah. Jordan Michael Key is in it, and uh, he's the only thing that's really good, other than uh, a couple of choice, like a couple of choice moments, uh, in my opinion. Um, I watched it because it looked like it was going to be funny. I was hoping it was going to be funny. It's not. It's not very good. Uh, and I actually found myself wanting to watch the sci-fi movie that they were making in the movie. Yeah, it was weird. Rather than the rest <laughs> of the factual movie. I, I wanted Netflix to just make that bullshit instead of the shit that they did. And uh, there's still a chance that they might. I hope this they is do. Netflix that yeah, we're I hope they about. do. I think uh, Beast Cliff 6 is what it was called, I think. Yeah. In the film. I, I, Netflix, make that. Make, <laughs> make Beast Cliff 6. I'll come back to watch that. I'll give you a month's subscription just to watch that because that was actually worth that. That would actually be worth my time uh, to, to watch that stupidity than the terrible movie you made of actors living through COVID and the dumb shit that happens in that film. You know, I feel like what would have made the movie better is if they released it like <clears throat> five years from now. Mm-hmm. Instead of because I feel like what happened was is they tried to produce it and put it out after COVID was already over. It would have been better if they had tried to make it as a mockumentary instead of the way that they did it. If it had been done in the spirit of Spinal Tap, I think you would have been golden. That would have also been a better a better idea. But what I think they were trying to do was uh, like, oh, hey, do you guys remember COVID and all the stupid lockdowns that we had to deal with? Yeah. While we're still dealing with it, it doesn't like it doesn't hit the target they were going for oh not at all so it i feel like they missed the mark on that but had they had they made it and then put the movie out like five years from now whenever all this shit's over or at least less yeah the movie is self-aware but it's so self-aware that it's not funny like there's no humor in in the fact that you have all of these actors acting the way that hollywood genuinely acts and you think it's satire when it's literally how we all perceive you fucking idiots. But that's not, that's not funny. It's sad because we go, well, you're just a broken fucking human being. And it's not funny at this point because the jokes don't land. Yeah. There were a few funny bits mixed in, but overall it wasn't that great. I mean, I laughed my ass off when she lost her fucking hand. (laughs) That was funny as shit. Oh yeah, that was great. Losing her fucking hand, that was great. The one other thing that I couldn't that, that I thought was a complete missed opportunity was the part with the helicopter. That shit should have crashed. That would have been fucking hysterical. Like just that would have ended it perfectly. Like listeners, they tried to do this movie in the same vein as Tropic Thunder, and it's just not good. Yeah. Though it is significantly better than uh the the one they did prior with uh Don't Look Up. That was fucking absolute yeah. pure trash. This way, this one I could actually more or less enjoy. Like I wasn't, it wasn't good, but you know, it's like okay, well, that's funny. Yeah, well, that's don't funny. like don't look up's premise is is trying to make it seem like oh nobody's paying attention to the climate change issue yeah. the whole time. And the funny thing is, is they completely missed the mark on the fact of they're using an asteroid that you cannot stop, you cannot do anything about. No, no nothing can be done to stop this thing everyone's going to die regardless of what you do. And they missed the mark of the fact that would it do any difference? Would it make any difference if you told anyone about this thing happening? And they they completely missed that. Of like, if that's the case and we're all fucking doomed, why would you need to tell everybody? All you're going to do is create panic 
And that's, and that's really what, that's really kind of what I see from the climate change crowd of like, all you want to do is create panic. If we can't do anything to stop this, why are you freaking out? <laughs> like, and Netflix doesn't understand that. Neither do any of the fucking actors that are in that film. And that's why don't look up as a piece of shit film. <laughs> it's dumb. Like the only way those things work is if you like, the only thing that would have worked is if you had pointed out the fact that they could have actually done something about it. They couldn't. In that film, the entire time, every single time they talk about it, they are telling every single person everyone's going to die, and that's the and and all they get is ignored afterwards. And I sit there and go, well, if they're if everybody's going to die, why are you bringing it up? Why why do you even need to tell anyone? I mean, am I am I wrong about that, Miles? Their their climate change message in the film gets lost on me on that, and it also gets lost in general because it's just a shitty film. Yeah, I'm just I'm just saying, you know. As far as comedic writing goes, not even close to as bad as that. Oh no, it's 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 not funny. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't funny at all. Whereas you know, the uh, the bubble at least had some funny jokes in there. Yeah, yeah, it 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 did make me laugh genuinely a, a, a few times here and there, but it just wasn't a good movie. And I was no, just like, man, it's just it's not worth it. Yeah, the the small laughs that I get are not worth it. Uh, the the other movie Bubble. Uh, which is an anime film that Netflix put out is actually worth watching. It's very good. It's enjoyable uh, on the simple fact that it's a cool retelling of the, the story of the little mermaid without the insanely depressed, like insanely depression, like depression inducing ending. <laughs> it's a little like, I won't tell you there's no sadness in the movie, but it's, it's well done. And uh, the ending kind of, it's, it's kind of, it's happy at the same time. You're kind of like, ah, well, you know, it's at the same time. It's kind of pointless, uh, but it's, it's still enjoyable to watch and it's entertaining. And I liked the characters they created. I think that uh, while it's got its shortcomings when it comes to animation, there's a lot of missing frames here and there. And uh, because that's some of the, tr- the, a lot of the parkour movements in the uh, film don't translate very well. It's still cool, and it's got some moments in it that I genuinely went, ah, that was that was badass. I enjoyed that. I recommend that. It's not a waste of your time. It's worth it's worth watching on Netflix if you have a subscription. And if you don't, and you're waiting for you know Stranger Things, it's something else you can watch when Stranger Things comes out. So at least you can get maybe more out of your uh, your month long subscription. I have an animated review. It's called the the Rising of the Shield Hero. I watched the first two seasons. I'm waiting on season three to come out on the English dub. So it's part of the whole a real life person gets pulled into a video game world or MMO. In this series, it's four humans get pulled to another world against their will. And you follow one of the characters being the Shield Hero as he goes through the political system and learning the new ups and downs of this world. Uh, it's pretty entertaining. I wouldn't say it's super fun. It's got some funny parts. Probably a little more serious than most of the animes that have come out of this kind. Just a different kind of uh, anime to watch of that kind of genre. I enjoyed it. Give it a try. Okay. Uh, I do have one show, one anime show. Uh, Kataro lives, I think that's it. I think it's Kataro uh, lives alone. It's about a little boy who's, I think, four or five who lives by himself in an apartment because, you know, children in Japan don't have parents. Uh, that, that show, it starts out really cute and, and, you know, hokey and has some good humor to it, has some good humor throughout, but 
it has moments of just absolute depression in it. Where I was like, God, that is fucking sad. And part of the reason why, listeners, and I will give you a fair warning, while this is a little bit of a spoiler, it does uh, have to do with uh, child abuse and, and neglect. And uh, while it doesn't get graphic or anything like that, it's very much uh, a sad subject to cover, especially uh, when you have characters that are cute and stuff like that. And you're, you're going, well, that's, it's just not fair that it happens. And it's not fair that it happens in real life either, but it's, it's addressing issues with not all abuse is uh, physical. Not all abuse is verbal. Uh, some abuse is just simply neglect when you neglect a child and neglect to show love to a child or anything like that. That is also another form of abuse. And I think it's a, it's a decent way of addressing that. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing another season and see that coming out with more. Um, but I could also see it just anywhere it's at, but I do want to see personally. I want to see another season just so I can see some resolution with some other characters that were, that were introduced into the show. That one's also uh, worth watching. Uh, recently they've been airing uh, weekly. The, uh, Comey can't communicate, but they do not have English translations for the newest episodes as far as I know. So I am going to be, hopefully those will be, those will be in there by the time I come back for stranger things. And I can actually watch through that, even though that show is kind of meh for me, I'd still like to see a continue, a finality to at least that season. Uh, I've heard that they're working on it. Uh, they're trying to get the, the dubbed episodes out quicker. Yeah. Um, I really like that series, so I'm I know gonna, you enjoyed it. Yeah, I'm going to wait uh, until the, the end. The thing I don't like about it is because, and I found this out because I started watching the 13th episode with only the Japanese translation in there. They don't have a fucking narrator. Yeah, I why don't, the fuck do we have a narrator? I don't need a fucking narrator. Yeah, I I've gone back and <laughs> she watched. Ruins the show for me. I've watched some of the uh, the subbed episodes, and yeah, the narrator takes a lot away from it. Like uh, the comedy by itself without the narrator it's, it's 10 times funnier oh yeah it. absolutely it's one of those things where in listeners if you're going well just watch the sub keep in mind i have dyslexia it's hard for me to concentrate sometimes especially when it comes to shows of keeping up with what's going on on screen and reading so it's a toss-up yeah it's I, the main reason why i watch why i started watching uh dubbed anime in the first place well i i switched back to dubbed for a long time because my uh my add brain gets like if I can do something with my hands while I'm watching something, I'll pay more attention. So usually yeah. while I'm watching a show, <clears throat> I'm like working on a model kit or something. And yeah. that helps me pay attention. To, I don't know. It's, it's weird. I have a hard time just sitting and watching. Oh, I get that. So, yeah. uh, subbed anime it's like me really... with, you know, fucking putting something on like a book or an audio book or something like that while I'm just doing monotonous bullshit yeah. of rune runs in Elden Ring. Just yeah. fucking sit there and throw that on in the side, and I'll listen to a book while I'm doing it. Right, and I'm so it yeah, it helps me good. pay attention to the show more if I'm doing something else while That's I'm fair. doing it. I can't explain it. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does. Listeners, it doesn't sound like that should happen, but it does <laughs> for some people. Sorry. All right, so Anderson's gonna actually tell us about some of the books that he's been listening to, and after that, we're gonna close out. So I just started the Odd Tom or Odd Thomas series by Dean Koontz. I was waiting for it to be completed. It got completed about a couple of years ago, and got finished up on audio. Most of the books I do are usually audio because I can listen to them while doing work. So Odd Thomas uh, is a book series that follows Odd, and he is a kind of like a detective of sorts who has the supernatural gift of seeing ghosts and other worldly creatures. You kind of follow his life and his 
small Arizona town. The ending to the book was pretty brutal. Uh, there was a live-action film that came out a handful of years ago, which is pretty spot-on to the book. I enjoyed it quite well. The narrator was David Baker, who, just like any other audiobook, if he gets into it, when the way he does, that keeps the book pretty entertaining. I'm looking forward to continue the rest of the series, and I'll probably review each book every time I finish one. So if you've got an Audible book account, or if you can go to your library and download it, or if you want to read it, I recommend it. I knocked out another Michael Cole book, which I've reviewed a previous book or two of his. This latest one I read of his is a, called Arachnoid, and it was narrated by Jordan Gibbs. Uh, that was a pretty fun book. It's a cheesy book. Uh, it was very much like Lake Placid. To swap out the giant crocodile for a man-made man-eating spider. Just like any other cheesy horror movie or cheesy bee monster movie, it's pretty fun to read or listen to. I would recommend it for that kind of genre. Listeners, thank you for listening to us. If you just listened to us for the first time, if you don't agree with us, that's completely fine. We don't really care if you agree or don't or, or disagree with us. We appreciate the fact that you're hearing a different opinion, maybe to yours, or even willing to share our opinions with other people. Please share us with your friends. It's the only way we get around. But whether you're a Romulan or Vulcan, Sith or Jedi, we just want you listening to us. This is Vargo. This is Josiah. Anderson. And Miles. Keep on geeking on. We're out. Let's go.